your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. They're in their respective bunkers, and meanwhile, every day, the the two sides are doing damage to the sport. It's just as embarrassing. It's just as awful, and you keep on waiting for someone in power to really begin to look at this from 30,000 feet (laughs) do what they can to get in the middle ground because the NBA is moving forward, the NHL is moving forward, and other sports are moving forward, and the team that had the biggest opportunity is losing it by the hour. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. That was Buster Olney earlier today on Get Up. Jamie, we had some progress today. We did. It was real. It really did happen. It lasted a couple of seconds. It was amazing. We're roughly 90 minutes removed from breaking news. Major League Baseball has made a proposal to the players. It includes a 75% prorated salary over the course of a 76-game regular season. It would include more playoff pool money. It would also have no draft pick compensation for signing a player, so there would be no qualifying offers this offseason, the thing that screwed over uh, Marcelo Zuna, at least in his opinion, this previous offseason. The season would end on September 27th. Postseason baseball would end at the end of October. And it is a, quote, significant move towards players' demands and effort to play more. That report coming from Carl Ravitch of ESPN. No more than 10 minutes later. (laughs) Just like clockwork, baby. Evan Trellich of The Athletic. Yeah. Says Major League Baseball Players Association regards today's offer for Major League Baseball to be worse than the league's last offer because it shifts a greater emphasis on the risk sharing in the postseason. Players would receive 50% of that prorated salary if there is no postseason and 75% if there is. I'm done. I give up. <laughs> that optimism was sucked away real quick. Welcome to a, Six Flags. <laughs> I've been riding the roller coaster throughout this entire thing, just going up and down and up and down and up. I've been at Disney World just wasting away. I'm off. I'm getting off of this roller coaster. I have taken off the life vest. Throw me out to sea. I am done. I'm done with your baseball. I'm sick of it. It is June 8th. 
The earliest we can see baseball at this point is July 10th. You missed the 4th of July deadline. I am of the belief at this point, and you can wake me up when this is over, we're probably going to see a 50-60 to 60 game season at 100% prorated salaries. I, I think the owners are just dragging their feet at this point. Yeah, I don't disagree. Listen, the way this is... Uh, here's what happens is my, my thoughts shift from side to side, meaning I think the owners are dragging their feet sometimes, and then I think whatever the proposal is that they put out there, the players are just going to squash right now. Because in my opinion, maybe the Players Association doesn't really have a clear vision of where it should go. So their tactic right now is we'll just squash everything and just, until we can figure it out. And yeah, I said it last week. I personally don't feel like there's going to be baseball this year. I just don't. I feel like both sides keep moving the goalposts so much that you can't even keep track of what the heck is going on. So I I might be the most hated guy in America for saying it, but I just I don't think there's going to be baseball. I think both I don't think either side is really serious about it. I feel a little optimistic in oh, the good. sense I know. Ladies and gentlemen, our one optimistic man about Major League Baseball. Let me try and put both of you back on this roller coaster. They're talking. Like they're talking. It's not great conversations. It's kind of a middle finger back at the other. Who said it last week that it's basically a spitwad contest? Yep. But at least it's a contest. It's not dead silence where you're having a mime situation yeah. where, hey, we're going to talk to our own group, but kind of F you. Now, let me give you the tweet from Jeff Passon, which you might have been going to this, and I apologize if I'm stepping on your feet here, BK. Just go smashing toes, yeah. Ferrari. That's so all right. Jeff Passon put it out about the time that Evan Drellich put it out, saying that one high-ranking official today said there will be baseball. The question is, will it be with sides agreeing to a deal or with the league implementing a 48-game schedule, no expanded playoffs, and almost as certainly a grievance filed by the union. So my positivity, my optimism today, guys, I'm starting on a high note. They're talking. There's going to be a season. But this is a, we'll play the 48 games, but F you to next season. Yeah. Do you, do you guys know anybody in your lives? I'm sure you do. We've all, we all know this person who says a lot, but really when you're done listening to them, they said nothing. Was that a shot at Nibby? No, this is a shot at baseball. <laughs> Damn. Damn, buddy. Damn, I thought we were close. You made some really great points there because they're you're speaking. doing just great, Alex. You sunk my battleship, BK. Damn, bro. I want to be very clear here. I was not taking a shot at Alex Ferrario. I... I think baseball is being that guy right now. Yeah. Baseball is being, like, sometimes you have guests on the show, right? We can be honest about this. Sometimes we have people on our show who they sound really great. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm captivated by what this guy just said. And then I go back and listen to it afterwards, and I'm like... They said nothing. Like they, they talked for four minutes, but they actually said nothing of substance. Yeah. That's what baseball is doing here. Every time that we get these new uh, proposals from the owners, it's basically the same thing. Like, uh, There was also a tweet that went out from Buster Olney on exactly how much money these players are going to be paid. And it's basically if the players had accepted the last deal by the owners, a player making $10 million would have made $3 million. That same player under this deal would make $3.45 million. Is it is it a raise for the rest of us? Would we be like, holy cow, $450,000 raise? Absolutely. Yes. But you're also playing an extra 20 games compared to what the other right. negotiation would have been. So it, is it better? Yeah, kind of. Is it closer? Yeah, 
Kinda. But I feel like I've been saying this now for a month. And nothing has changed. Nothing has actually made any sort of meaningful progress. We're in the same place today that we were on May 5th and April 5th, and we were supposed to have a deadline this week, and there is no real deadline. I asked it all along. When is the deadline? I heard 17 different dates. There is no deadline. That was the answer to my question. Yeah. No, it just keeps moving, and that's the problem with it is, I think I I listened to Danny Mac, scoops with Danny Mac earlier today on my way in, and he was talking about with Randy and Michelle. There's no deadline. So if there's no hard set date, I mean, sometimes what's your motivation? Ah, I'll do it tomorrow. Ah, we'll do it tomorrow. You know, ah, we'll do it next week. There's it's no me deadline. as a college student. I was going to say, the owners must be college students called procrastination, and I was awesome at it. I would have a J2000 project that was due on April 7th, and you better believe 97% of that was done on April 6th, going up into that April 7th deadline. Well, I feel like that's what we're doing here. Yeah. And, and to your uh, comment earlier in the crossover, you said only five cities of local governments have been contacted by Major League Baseball. So what is baseball going to do if, if the players go, okay, we take the deal? <laughs> oh, darn it. Oh, darn it. Or call them. Better pick up the phone. And oh, by the way, Baseball has a draft this week. Oh, that should be great. The Major League Baseball draft is on Wednesday and Thursday of this week. You think there's going to be a whole lot of buzz around that? They had an opportunity here, and I don't want to be too outlandish, but they could have had this entire summer on their own. Starting the 4th of July, we could have, let's say in a hypothetical scenario, where we actually had... People that were negotiated in good faith, the owners and the players association. And last week they came to a deal, let's say, right? There would have been real tangible buzz around Major League Baseball's drafts this week. There would have been. Now, we wouldn't have gone all in the way that we did with the NFL drafts because we don't know these kids the way that we do the players that are in the NFL draft. But it would have been the first sign of baseball's coming back. The Cardinals are going to be playing. There's no team in this draft that has more selections than the Cardinals do coming up on Wednesday and Thursday. This would have been really exciting. And now it's just going to arrive with a thud. You'll be like, oh, sweet. Baseball's got a draft. We'll see them in seven years when baseball's (laughs) playing again. (laughs) I I know. Look, I, I just think baseball has missed a tremendous opportunity. And you know what? Every day that goes by, it's pissing someone off. And when you do that... Certainly doing that for me. <laughs> listen, I'm, I'm over it, too. And But, you know, the other leagues are... The NBA is coming out with a proposal for how they're going to do their Disney World thing, which was your idea anyways. Thank but, you. And hockey's... You know, they're opening up this week for small group training. Some phase teams two, are... Yeah. yeah, phase two. So some teams are taking advantage of it. Some teams will be a couple of days, maybe a week later. But everything's kind of moving forward, except for baseball, which, to your point, you said they could have had the summer to themselves. But now it's going to be crowded. If they if they get this done, it's going to be crowded, and they're going to be fighting for every little revenue dollar that they can grab, which is the biggest problem right now. So we're talking about the, the owners talking about losing money. Well, you think you're going to gain more revenue when you're competing with other sports that might actually be more interesting than yours because they're in the playoffs? Yeah, now you're going to have your regular season against their postseason. Yeah. Let's see how that goes for you, baseball. Set up for failure, man. I'm sure that's going to go really well. And then your postseason is going to be going up against the NFL's regular season. Yeah. I'm sure that's going to go well. 
You may or may not have fans in the stands. You may or may not have protocols that are actually approved by any of the local governments in which you're going to be playing in because you decided unilaterally, hey, we got to be in all of these different markets. Get it together, baseball. Get it together. Get a grown adult in the room so that way we can be done talking about these ridiculous proposals and we can talk about whether or not Dexter Fowler is going to have a good season <laughs> or if Dylan Carlson yeah. is going to be able to crack the lineup on an everyday basis or what the offseason is going to look like when Nolan Arenado is going to be a Cardinal. I can hopefully ask Alex Ferrario soon where his percentage chances of that. It's not great right now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Give me some Appreciate baseball that. and I'll put it back up there. I'm just ready for it to end, man. I'm ready for it to end. It's a never-ending ride that I wanted to be off of a month ago. Yes. Hopefully soon <laughs> we're able to do exactly that. He's Jamie Rivers. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. It's 1114. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex junior, uh, jeweler, not junior. Coming up at 1130, we're going to talk to former Cardinal second baseman Delano DeShields. This is long gone summer week on 101 ESPN. Coming up on Sunday, long gone gone summer is going to be debuting. They sent out last night the first preview for it. It looks pretty awesome. It looks pretty <laughs> awesome. So we're going to talk to Delano DeShields about what it was like to be a part of that 98 summer coming up at 1130. But coming up next, I was listening to Carriker and Smallman earlier today. And they said something that I think is going to throw Jamie Rivers off of a cliff. We'll get into that next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Ultimately, we do have to get creative, and we're going to have to find a way to sit down with Alex and his and his representatives when uh, uh, we, we, A, know the landscape moving forward, and that's not going to be till after the playoffs, and then uh, when next year's cap is set, when we have, there's potential discussions on an extension of the CBA, which will certainly have an effect on, on these talks, but our goal hasn't changed, and Alex is our captain, I'd love to keep him here. When you use that word creativity, and Alex used that for that term as well, how can you get creative to fit players in well it's a little more difficult than it was in the past in the sense you could put bonus uh, bonuses in contracts uh, that's very difficult to do now so I guess creativity is is uh, moving the, the chess pieces around and probably one has to fall off the table so another one can fit got it with former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. That was Blues general manager Doug Armstrong on with Carriker and Smallman last Friday talking about what it's going to take to re-sign Alex Petrangelo. So they had a follow-up conversation on that very question earlier today. I was listening to the show. They had a conversation about what Petro's future is going to be in St. Louis and then took it a step forward and asked what would that future, if it is here in St. Louis, mean for Colton Pareko? Jamie, I want to get your impression on this conversation. We'll get to that on the other side. Here's Randy and Michelle talking about Petro and Pareko and their future in St. Louis. I do believe that if the Blues sign Petrangelo, one of the choices that they're going to make is they're going to tell themselves we can't sign Pareko too. On the day you sign Petrangelo, I think you say we can't invest as much money as Colton Pareko is going to make on the market in him. And as much as we respect 
Alex Petrangelo as a hockey player, as a leader, I don't know if that's a decision that the Blues are willing to make. To look at Colton Pareko and say he's kind of the future. He's three years younger than Petro. When we talked to Army, we talked about the fact that Colton Pareko is the representative for the Blues in a lot of different things now. So that was Randy and Michelle earlier today talking about Petro and Pareko and what their futures are going to be here in St. Louis. If you missed any of that, you can check out the full podcast from the show today, 101ESPN.com, and you can hear them each and every morning from 7 to 10 a.m. right here on 101 ESPN. Jamie, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Alex, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Does re-signing Alex Petrangelo mean the Blues are essentially saying, no, we can't invest long-term in Colton Pareko? No, it doesn't mean that. Uh, I mean, I understand the debate 100% of right-handed shot. Um, you know, they log a lot of minutes, both players. But this is kind of the same discussion we had when Justin Falk signed here. You know, everybody talked about, oh, it's Petro's replacement, which it never was. But, I can under- but again, I can understand why people would think that. Listen, Colton Pareko is a dominant NHL defenseman in certain areas, Okay. Alex Petrangelo is a dominant NHL defenseman in almost every area. And you don't just find those guys. And Colton Pareko, this is, I find it a little bit unfair to Colton Pareko because can you imagine having to fill these shoes, these expectations that people have for you? When you went to a small college in Alaska (laughs) where you weren't even on the radar and now you're being, you know, touted as the Blues' number one defenseman. Hey, great for him and his progress and his development and how well he's played. But it's not apples to apples, guys. Colton Pareko is a long ways away from being able to quarterback a power play like Alex Petrangelo can. He's a long way away from captaining a team to the Stanley Cup championship. He's got two more years left on his deal, I believe. Uh, you know, and, and if Petro signs a five or six year deal with the Blues, the salary cap, hopefully, depending on how everything goes, you've got a lot of time, a lot of wiggle room here. And I do believe to Doug Armstrong's initial comment of sometimes there's a chess piece that has to fall off the table to fit another one on. I think that discussion will happen again with Colton Pareko. There is another chess piece that can come off the table at that point rather than replacing Colton Pareko. That's just where I'm at right now. You're 100% right, Ribs, and I just I don't agree with it because in my eyes, they see a tandem of Petrangelo and Pareko for the next six-plus years. And I wrote an article after we had Petro on at 101ESPN.com talking about, look, in, in the Blues' eyes, Petrangelo is at his all-time high. Even Chris Kerber said his confidence is at, is at its all-time high. You have five to six years of a potential one-two punch that nobody can match in the NHL. There's a couple of other anomalies into this one. You don't know what's going to happen with Justin Falk at this expansion draft. I'm not saying that that's why they signed him, but he might be the most appealing player that's available to Seattle. And we saw Vegas. They took a lot of defensemen Mm -hmm. more than they took forwards. You also are dropping off Schwartz's contract, Steen's contract, Bozak's contract. You're going to have restricted free agents and a Sanford, a Thomas, a Cairo, and you're dropping off a couple of defensemen. Right now, you're going to have $39 million at the time, Pareko is an unrestricted free agent. Whatever Petro signs, that's going to go up a little bit. But you don't know what the salary cap's going to yeah. look like. There's so many anomalies in my eyes of what's going to be when Pareko's contract is up. You don't know what Petro's going to make. You don't know what Pareko's going to ask. But I can say that 
Everybody in the NHL, Pareko will be the number one defenseman available. And in Doug Armstrong eyes, you don't lose that player. So I guess my follow-up to all of this would be, let's say Falk doesn't end up getting taken in the expansion draft next year. So by 2021-2022, you're talking about potentially having a guy like Falk make $6.5 million, Pareko making 5 and a half in his final year of his deal, and Petrangelo making what eight million, nine million, somewhere around there. Yeah, somewhere in there. Seven so nine, yeah. that's what between those three, about twenty million dollars combined. Is that is that feasible over the long term to have three right-handed defensemen combined to make twenty million dollars per year on your salary cap? Look, there's a lot of things that are going to happen between now and then. Um, you know, and, and Justin Falk is in control of his own future. Basically, yep. is what I'm going to say. Um, there is a penalty for waiving guys and sending them to the minors, but it's it pales in comparison to paying the whole contract on the books. Mm-hmm. And Justin Falk has a no-trade clause. He does not have a no-movement clause. So what that means is if the Blues don't see this working out in a couple of years or a year, whatever it is, right, and the expansion draft comes and goes and it doesn't work out, they can waive him. And then anybody in the NHL can try to pick him up and his contract, and if they don't, they send him to the minors. And then Justin Falk has a decision to make. Do I go to the minors and make my money? Um, no, or do I, I retire? No or do I waive a no-trade clause? Yeah. Like, it, there's a lot of things that happen here. And the Blues can take off a huge portion of his salary from the salary cap. Remember, there's a no-compliance buyout available to teams, too, at the end of each season. They have one opportunity to do that for a player to where it doesn't penalize the team, if I'm not he's mistaken. He's got a lot of years left, though. That's the problem, But is if, that he's got the full, what, seven years. Mm-hmm. Correct. But what I'm saying is... If it's if it's forced upon upon Doug Armstrong, he will take those measures. In my eyes, he Pare- better buy Tom Stillman a beer. <laughs> in, in my eyes, Colton Pareko is non-negotiable. Even no. if Alex Petrangelo is re-signed, you don't lose Colton Pareko. You I agree. adjust anywhere else for that. And I think that you know having those two guys in your top four, and then we'll see where Vince Dunn ends up. Yeah. There's a lot of here's the thing. And you made a great point earlier, Alex. Is the young guys that are here, they're 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 under control. They're yeah. under team control. Yeah. So you're not going to have to pay Robert Thomas ten million dollars a year. Not yet. His big contracts when Pareko's big contracts. I was about to say they're the same year. And the other thing that we got to take into account here is also that you're going to have Jordan Bennington coming up after next season. He'll be a free agent at that point. But you as also well. don't have Jake Allen's money. A hundred percent. There's but, for every piece that mm-hmm. stays on the table. Like Army said, I'd actually really like his his analogy on that one. Somebody falls off, right. and that's decision. That's I'm sorry. Army, I hate to be the one to inform you, and <laughs> but that's a general manager's job. <laughs> Obviously, I'm joking. Obviously, Army knows what he's doing, but that's part of the job. If you got to look at these things, they're tough decisions. You're in a salary cap system. Uh, hopefully, the number keeps going up to make Doug Armstrong's job a little easier. But look, Gunnarsson will come off in the next. Jay Bolmeister is, is well, off. Remember, you like, had a lot of young guys in the AHL. Like you could have a Nico Mikola playing in your top six and well, making Perunovic. the bare minimum. Perunovic could be making the bare minimum. You have forwards that could be making the bare minimum coming from the AHL. So, I mean, your salary cap is going to look a lot different at that time yeah. than what it does right the now. The reason why I brought that up is because of what you just said, Jamie. There's going to be really hard decisions. There's going to be some oh, yeah. that hurt. Of course. Maybe it is a Jaden Schwartz that ends up not being able to be here in the long term. You're probably going to have to say, 
goodbye to Alex Steen if you're going to make some of these things yeah. work. Maybe a Zach Sanford is not here for the long term as opposed to the guy that right now you feel like this was potentially going to be his breakout season and maybe he was going to be a significant part of the future here. Maybe David Perron is a guy that is going to have to go before the end of this deal. He's going to be traded once again. These are the kinds of difficult decisions that are coming up for Doug Armstrong, and a big por- portion of that would be the decision to bring back a guy like Petro and yeah. then the decision to bring back a guy like Pareko. I think you should do both of those things because you want the blue-chip talent. The blue-chip talent is who you pay. You figure out a way to make that work, and then you make everything else work underneath that. And if we know one thing about Army, he's going to be able to find the depth pieces. Yeah. you got to be able to have those top-end guys. Like, the thing that was missing for years was a number one center. They got that guy in Ryan O'Reilly, and everything fell into place. Don't lose that number one defenseman. Don't go out there and think you can replace that guy when those guys don't exist in most places. So that would be my recommendation as the non-hockey guy here. Yeah, and I, look, I agree 100%. To me, again, I, I don't know what side will agree with this or not as far as Army or Petro, but I think the five-year deal is the sweet spot for both the organization and the player. I, I really do. You know, like I think that the money could be uh, a, a good amount of money, but then you're not overextending yourself as an organization. You're just not. And if Alex Petrangelo is still dominant in five years and he wants to stay a St. Louis Blue, hey, maybe he says, you know what? I'll take a, a hometown discount. I want to end my career here. I don't want to move for two or three more years of my career. I'd like to stay here. And guess what? Yeah, now you're paying Colton Pareko the number one money. Then Alex Petrangelo, maybe he's making number two or number three money. There's a lot of things that change over the course of five years. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. It is long gone summer week here on 101 ESPN, and we're going to talk about that 98 summer with Delino DeShields, the former Cardinals second baseman. He'll join us next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. It is long gone summer week here on the station, and we are going out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line to start celebrating that week with former Cardinal second baseman Delino DeShield Sr. He was here for the 97 and the 98 seasons. He is now the first base coach for the Cincinnati Reds. Delino, how are you doing today? Good afternoon, guys. We're happy to have you on. So let's let's start with that 98 summer because that's what we're celebrating this week on the station you were there to see it firsthand. What what was that like for you to be able to watch McGuire versus Sosa firsthand? Well, no, that that was a special time. It, it was electric, you know. Uh, that that home run chase, it's just that whole summer. You know the numbers those guys were putting up. It was it was just a special time, you know, in baseball. And uh, I felt like I hit a lot of those home runs. I was on base for more than fifty of those home runs back hit, so I felt like I hit them too. <laughs> Delano, how crazy was it when you guys were traveling around for, you know, your games on the road? I, I, look, I'm sure it was nuts on a regular basis, but how crazy was it that particular summer being a part well, of that? I, I experienced no more mania, um, you know, and I, I can say it was it was right up there with that. You know, it was it was uh, like we were the Beatles or something that summer, you know. It was exciting. 
What goes into something like that? I mean, you, you, you know, you, you mentioned that you felt like you were the Beatles or something that summer. What specifically, right. do you have a story or what, what specifically felt that way? What changed? Uh, just, just the media attention that, that both those guys were getting. You know, everywhere we went, you know, it, it was sold out. We weren't particularly playing that well, if I recall. I mean, we, were, we weren't in contention, but, mm-hmm. you know, Mac was bringing a lot of excitement every night. And uh, like I said, just the, the media attention both of those guys were getting was, was different. Did you know coming off of the, I mean, you, you had the 94-95 season and then baseball was trying to earn its way back with some of the fans. Could you sense that in the moment of this is the summer that's bringing the fans back? I think the fans just love baseball in general. You know what I mean? Baseball has, has gone through its highs and lows through its, uh, through its history, and that, that, that was just one of the, it was a high point at the time, and it turned out to be a, a low point later on. Uh, Delano, look, the guy that is in this documentary coming up with Mark McGuire is Sammy Sosa. And you get, obviously you're a teammate of Mark McGuire's, and you're pulling for him. Like you said, you're on base for like 50 of those home runs. Uh, when you look at when you look back at this now, if you can remember, was there any point in time where you thought, man, Sosa might win this thing? Not once did I think Sammy was going to hit more taters than Mac. I mean, if you if you if you were around uh, Mark every day, you know, I'm just saying, just BP. You know what I'm saying? Just how easily he would hit balls out of the ballpark. I mean, it, the only thing that was going to stop Mac from winning that race that year was if they didn't pitch to him. You know what I mean? And uh, the, the teams were still challenging him. You know, even up until the last day, and you know, it was like, just a matter of time. Delano, you are a baseball lifer. We're talking with former Cardinal second baseman Delano DeShields here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. You're a guy that's been around this game for a long time, both playing from the 90s into the early 2000s and now again as a coach. Have you ever seen a player or have there other been other players with similar power to what you saw from Mac at that point in his, in his career? No, I've never seen a, a grown man hit a ball like that. You know, that's... that's uh, you, you'd have to see it to believe it. You know, I tell stories all the time to guys. You know, we go around to the different ballparks now, and I point out um, different spots where I saw Mac hit balls, and they're like, no way. And I'm like, yes way. He did. <laughs> you know, I saw it with my own eyes. So, And I, I've never seen a man hit a ball like that. Yeah, and Delano, the question I got about Mark McGuire during that, that run that summer is, what was he like in the clubhouse? You know, because obviously things are stressful. He's in this massive home run race. He's chasing down records. He's got, like you said, Beatlemania going on. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that gets to guys. What was Mark McGuire like in the clubhouse or hanging out with the guys or out for beers or anything like that? Mac, Mac was a great teammate. He was one of my, my favorite teammates. Uh, you know what I mean? And um, I, I saw Mac in a lot of different scenarios that summer you know what I mean there was times when he looked stressed there was times when things but the times when he looked as easiest was when his son was around you know what I mean if you noticed coming down the stretch a lot of times his boy would be around so I think that was his his kind of safety blanket having his son with him you ended up being a teammate with Sammy Sosa at the back end of the 01 season and then again in 2002 how would you compare those guys both on the field and off the field what were some of the similarities and the differences that made them unique uh, I think Sammy was more of a flamboyant, you know, kind of player. You know, he uh, played for the fans, you know, really brought a lot of energy every day. Mac, Mac was more laid back, you know what I mean? He didn't really um, care about the fanfare. I'm not saying Sammy did, but, you know, Mac definitely did not care about the fanfare and 
like I said, he was one of my favorite teammates. All right, Delino, a quick question for you. I'm going to put you on the spot. I feel like it today. You, you sound like an honest guy, so I, I feel like I'm going to get a good answer here. Mark McGuire, you have a pinch hitter up. World Series on the line. you got Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire sitting on the bench. Who are you tapping on the shoulder? Uh, I'm going to take Mac. I'll take Mac. You know, I might be biased because I played, you know, I, I played with both of them, actually. But, but you know, Mac was, was, was special. You know what I mean? Especially during that time period. You know, there, there probably wasn't a more feared hitter in baseball at that time. So I'm, I'm going to have to take Mac. We're talking to Delino DeShields, the former Cardinal second baseman during the 97 and 98 seasons. He's now the first base coach with the Cincinnati Reds. Now, Delino, I got to ask you about it. Let's go a little bit of modern day here because earlier today there was another proposal from baseball towards the Players Association to try to get this season going. Uh, do, do you think we're going to play this year? What, where, what, where are your feelers at on what this season is ultimately going to look like? Well, I'm, I'm hopeful. You know, like everybody else, you know, I, I really, you know, I, I I can't give you an answer. You know, I hope we do play. Well, I just know, you know, a lot of our brothers and, and colleagues are, are suffering, you know, throughout the industry. You know, guys have been laid off and people are losing jobs. And so I think at some point we're, we're, we're going to have to stick our foot in the water just, just to move the industry forward. You know what I mean? I don't know if that happens next month or, you know, I don't know when it's going to happen. But ultimately, we we, we got to get back out there. Now you talk, Brandon talked earlier about you being a baseball lifer, and you go and do your thing for a long time, and then you get a son that comes up and starts doing his thing. How proud are you of the accomplishments that your son was able to have? Well, I'm very proud of both. You know, I have a daughter, too. She plays for the Chicago Sky right oh, wow. now. Her name is Diamond Shields. Yeah, she plays in the WNBA. So I'm, I'm proud of all my kids. They've they worked very hard. And, you know, I know you. a lot of people think it's easy for, for kids with um, – you know, with parents that are, you know, ex-players or celebrities or whatever, that, it, that it's easy for them, but it's not. You know, those kids go through a lot. So just just um, the hard work that they put into it, the dedication, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of those guys. What did you enjoy more, you yourself, whether it be hitting a home run or getting a steal or doing something incredible on the baseball field or watching your kids do that? Well, as a parent, you know, I definitely get a lot of satisfaction out of watching my kids. You know, and, and at the same time, there's nothing more nerve-wracking you know, than, than watching my kids play, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, I had my time, you know, I enjoyed my time, and uh, you know, but now it's their time, so that's what it is. All right, Delano, I'm from Canada, originally from Ottawa, Canada, <laughs> and I grew up, and I remember Delano DeShields playing in Montreal, so I got a couple of questions about that. One, how was playing baseball in Montreal? Did you enjoy it? And two, do you think Montreal should get a franchise back sometime soon? Well, the first part, I was a 21-year-old African-American kid uh, going to probably one of the most cosmopolitan places on the globe, you know what I mean? And uh, it just opened my eyes up to to the world, really, you know, just meeting people from all over the world. And it just really influenced and shaped uh, the way I look at a lot of things today. As far as whether Montreal should get a team or not, I definitely think they should be, you know, in line to get a franchise at some point. You know, it's a great city. Um, if, you, if you put the ballpark downtown, you know what I'm saying, where, where the Habs play, yep. it, it'd be sold out every night. So, you know, a great, great city and, and a great uh, market for, for MLB to, to go back to at some point. Final question for you, Delino DeShields, former Cardinals second baseman for the 97 and 98 seasons, joining us here on Ribs and BK. What is your favorite memory from that 98 summer? Is there any one thing that stands out to you? Wow. Oh, man. It was it was a lot going on that summer. 
Um, you know what? It, it, you know, I had a, I had a good year, one of my best years that year also. So it, it was very uh, gratifying to put up those kind of numbers for, for the fans of St. Louis. I enjoyed playing for Tony La Russa. Um, just that whole, you know, playing on that club was, was, was a good experience for me. I got to meet a lot of great guys. I played with Royce Clayton and Ray Langford and, and BJ and, and, uh, you know, Pagnazzi and just, just a lot of great dudes that were on those Cardinal teams. So just, just the guys and, and the relationships that I formed, um, over my time with the Cardinals, I think those those are my best memories. As a follow up to that, you did have a great year that season. You hit two ninety. You were on base thirty seven percent of the time. I mean that that's an incredible season. Was part of that you think hitting in front of or being in the same lineup as Mark McGuire? Well, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I've experienced that a couple times in my career, hitting in front of a guy like that. Um, you know, they didn't want to walk me, so I was getting a lot of good pitches to hit that year. You understand? And um, you know, I took advantage of it, but. Like I said, you know, definitely having somebody like that behind you in the order helps you as a hitter. Absolutely. That's Delino DeShield, former Cardinal second baseman for the 97 and 98 season. He is now the first base coach for the Cincinnati Reds. Delino, we really appreciate the time today, my friend. We hope that we're able to watch you guys play some baseball soon with obviously hoping that the Reds are on the lesser end of the games against the Cardinals. But we're looking forward to it, my friend. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. All right, no problem. Absolutely. That's Delano DeShields joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Just looking at his baseball reference page, it, it it's a throwback because I'm looking at the strikeout numbers, and he almost never had more than 100 strikeouts in any given season. And I know that might be a silly thing to kind of fixate on, but given the way that the game has gone today, it's just kind of a reminder of how much things have shifted. In his career, he was around 50 to 70 in any given season. Now you've got most of these guys striking out 200 times in any given season. It's just a, it's a different style of play. But on that summer of 98, I'm really looking forward to this week being able to talk to a lot of the guys that were up close and personal from that time and what it was like to be in that clubhouse. It was not the best Cardinals team that we've seen in the last 25 years, not by a long shot, but it might be the most celebrated in terms of regular season accomplishments for what we saw from Mark McGuire that summer. Well, we're getting a peek into it, too, you know? Like, we asked some pretty direct questions there, and I can't wait to follow up with that throughout the week because everybody saw, everybody can YouTube the highlights. Everybody Mm -hmm. can go back and watch and document, but these guys lived it. They lived every experience, the, uh, the highs, the lows, the intensity. You know, he talks about McGuire and how he was a different guy when his son was there. Like, there's little things that teammates see all like that normal people don't. And so it's going to be fun to get that behind-the-curtain access. Hopefully the guys are pretty open about it and enjoy it because that, to me, is the biggest thing that I enjoy is getting behind the scenes and finding out what we're dealing with as a team and as an individual that's away from the cameras. 101 ESPN presents Long Gone Summer Week all week right here on 101 ESPN. It's the story of the 98 home run chase between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. There's a 30 for 30 coming up on Sunday night. This week is brought to you by Tracy Bibb and the Allstate insurance agency text quote to 65780 to see how you can save with jamie rivers and alex ferrario i'm brandon Kylie. it's ribs and bk on 101 espn time for questions and answers 65780 is their comfort service text line get your questions in for questions and answers next we're back to the ribs and bk podcast on 101 espn 
former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. All right, guys, I want to ask you this. This is my question, not the text lines. We'll get oh some boy. of theirs here, here in just a moment. What did you spend the weekend watching? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> nothing. I was at the lake, and we have a cabin up in the woods, and we don't have cable TV. Uh, we watched a couple of movies at night. Uh, great outdoors. What made an appearance oh, yeah. on uh, Friday night. So my kids had not seen the great outdoors. Okay. And so that was a, a fun one. And then one that there's no way you'll have even heard of this. You Both of you might look at me like, huh? It's a movie called On Golden Pond. Never it's heard got of it. Henry Fonda, Jane heard of Fonda. It, but I've never seen it. It's an incredible movie about people, you know, up at the lake. It's like it's a whole setting movie. Like you wouldn't watch it like sitting here in the office, sure. but when you're up at the lake, you watch it and it's it's just a great movie. So that's the only TV I watched all weekend. And I feel cleansed. <laughs> that's where you feel really good. <laughs> to be honest, we were doing a lot of house hunting over the weekend, and then we found a house, put a contract, and then we bought a house. So there wasn't a lot of watching television. I will say, though, I did watch the Bruce Lee documentary last night. because I, I love. Oh, yeah, I watched that last I've night. I've always yeah. loved Bruce Lee, um, just with the martial arts and just kind of how he was a part of the film industry at the time or kind of snubbed from the film industry. So I watched that. But other than that, there really wasn't a lot of television. It was out. I watched an entire season of Formula One Drive to Survive. An entire season of a Formula One miniseries. Nice. It was incredible. Absolutely incredible. What on earth? I know less than nothing about Formula One. Like, absolutely nothing. I have never watched a race. I have never heard of 99% of these drivers. I didn't know anything about the teams that were good versus the teams that are bad. I'm all in. I couldn't be more all in. I felt like I was experiencing some of these races for the first time. And so it was like if somebody watched like an old football game that had no recollection or no or no understanding of what had happened in that game, like yeah. a Super Bowl, basically. Mm-hmm. And it was like they were experiencing it for the first time without knowing who was going to win. So what possessed you to do that? Because if you have no interest, how do you stumble upon that? So... Kara's brother had said that it was a really good series, right? He went over to Europe uh, previously and went to a race in Monaco. So he watched the race and got into it a little bit. He ended up watching this series on Netflix. He was like, hey, I would recommend it. Sports guy, right? And I think you'd like it. I was like, I've never watched a Formula One race. <laughs> and when did he guy. tell you? This is important. The timing to me is... weeks important. ago. Okay, because I'm like, there's no way he suggested on Saturday. And then BK Just was like, in. absolutely. No, you no, no, pushed no. it back, oh, yeah. pushed it back. Okay. We were looking for something to watch, and you know how this goes, right? You get on Netflix, <laughs> and you're like, okay, we'll spend the next hour and a half deciding what we're going to watch instead of just throwing uh, something on and actually yes, watching yeah. it. So I was like, you know what? This popped up, and I was like, hey, I've heard this is good. And some of Carol's family was over there. They were like, okay, throw it on. And it, at first, it was like, ah, we'll just throw it on, and we'll talk and do whatever in the background. By like 30 minutes in, we were all like, at the edge of our seats ready to go like we had all picked racers that were our favorite guys rooting for them over the course of the series it was amazing no betting no betting. Um, so the thing about Formula One, I'm now an expert on. Always an expert. Yeah, oh yeah. Now he's like yeah. our guy. He's our phone a friend. Here Next we go. Hour, Formula it's fascinating. One. There's like there's three teams that just dominate the sport. Yeah. It's Mercedes, Red Bull, and Ferrari. Ferrari's always every been. year. Ferrari always dominates at the top <laughs> of the list. As it should. <laughs> Unbelievable. Always. 
and everybody else is like very open about how they're going for fourth place. They're like, well, if we can just finish fourth, the best of the rest is what they call it. Then that's been a successful season for us. Imagine if in baseball there were like three teams that every year was like the Dodgers, the Cardinals, and the Yankees. And every year you knew you, those were going to be three of the four final teams. And it was a battle to see who that fourth final team could be. That's basically what this is every single year. And yet people, there's like a hundred thousand people that go to these races. The money that goes on in those races is crazy. They have one in Montreal and my brother goes to it every year with a bunch of his buddies. Mm -hmm. And he's like, it's not just the race. It's like a couple of days of events that go on. And then the race itself, he's like, yeah, you're standing in a spot, and yet you get one portion of it where you're like, yum, 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 and you're like, oh, that was awesome. And these guys are flying by. Flying by. And like, it's pretty incredible. It is incredible. Now, I personally, now I'm going to check it out. I, I really am. Because it. for someone like you, who has no interest in it at all, to yeah. come and tell me that 30 minutes in, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to throw this on now. And these, these tracks are like, it's not... Listen, I'm just not going to be NASCAR guy. It's just not for me. Oh, the I, round and round I, I would totally go? understand people are into turn. it. It's got a massive following nationally. It's just not for me. I can't get into the... It's the same reason why I can't get into running around a track. I just get bored yeah. by the, the same repetitive circles, That's right? why you don't watch when you flush, right? Because it just goes round and round and round. Exactly the same yeah. thing. The... <laughs> I was too quick on that one. I'm sorry. No, you were the, good. The tracks in Formula One are like on streets. And so yeah. you've got like these these immediate turns that are like 90 degree turns. Pedestrians. You got to be very careful. I don't think there's any Oh, no, that's right. They shut the roads no, down. No, My bad. Pretty yeah. sure that's not. That would be another element of a sport, though. If you put pedestrians that would out be there. Pretty, that would be awesome. I did. They, they showed Tony Stewart in one of these. Oh. And I was like, oh. Oh, I like cringed the oh. moment that I saw him. Tony like, Stewart. Oh, Yikes. boy. Remember him? The king of bad decisions. Yikes. Not great. 65780 is the air comfort service text line for questions and answers. You be the queen of bad decisions, right? Lenny Dykstra is the king of bad decisions. Oh, they right? might, yeah, you're right. Okay, Sorry. second place. Somebody from the 314 said, try using a bar of soap and then you can give NASCAR a shot. I think that's a, <laughs> a shot at my manliness, right? That's parking oh, back on. to last week. That's come fantastic. On. <laughs> Come on. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line from the 314. Hey, guys, you see that the county is opening up bars later today. What are you expecting, and would you go to a bar right now? I thought they were already open. <laughs> I did, too. I think I'm the county is areas, open And I'm like, the place is packed. Yeah. I'm like, what the heck is going on around Those here? Those bars are open. St. Charles is the Wild West right now. Oh, my now. God. It's wild out there, man. The lake was crazy. Like, oh, I would imagine. Now, where we are, okay, we're nowhere near, like, any, uh, I call it the commercial part of the lake, where everybody's going to the bars, the swim-up bars, and they're having 4,000 people in a pool. That's not, we're not even close to that but when we drive through and we go to different areas like even the little hole in the wall bar that's there it's got like 30 cars outside of it i'm like that place isn't even big enough for 30 people <laughs> so i i'm like yeah it, it's been on for a while so did this should be interesting see, did you see the videos of vegas over the week Oh, my God. It opened up, like, what, 13 casinos, I think? Dude, th there was a guy, a reporter, a, re a rush, something. Yeah, I and he was walking through the yeah. casino. It was unbelievable. I mean, there were thousands of people. It, it was as if the video had been taken a year ago, and he just posted it today. Because you can't see any difference. No, there's none. You can take the person out of Vegas, but you can't take the Vegas out of the person. It's, a there's casino just opens, you're in it. Derek Stevens uh, owns the D Casino in Las Vegas. Um, Derek? 
Derek Stevens always owns the D. That. Yeah, yeah, it's called the D. It's, he's what from, a great name. He's from Detroit, and so it's like based loosely based off that. And he's opening up another one called Circa coming up in downtown. It's going to be incredible. It's a really solid building. But he, <laughs> it is. But he, he was the same way. He's like, I, I, I'm allowed to open up, and these people are allowed to come in, and this is what they're doing. That's what happens when you prematurely open. <laughs> Gotta be careful when it happens too fast. Yeah. Ferrario's on fire today. He's on fire today. The I, dad jokes are just flowing. Somebody's fast uh, somebody's excited he found curious. a house, huh? Dad jokes come out when you find a house. You become an adult. By the way, a huge congratulations to our own Alex Ferrario. Thank you. Thank he you. bought a house this weekend. It, that doesn't even seem like as big well, of a and feat. His wife. That doesn't even seem like as big of a feat as buying a house in this pandemic in this world right now. That's the part that feels like a feat. Yeah. And I'm sure people out there listening are going through the same thing. My thoughts are with you because, man, we put contracts down on houses after houses after houses and lost them because that's just the market, right? I mean, our agent told us people are putting like $15,000 more for a yeah. house to put them on top and everything happens for a reason. We found the perfect My agent house. told me the same thing. Did she? Yeah. She also told you to keep your hands out of the, mu- uh, the bread, right? Yeah. My agent is my <laughs> wife she's a realtor so yes she absolutely uh knows what you're yeah. talking about but here's a, i want to get to this before we run out of time 618 so uh bk oh yes did you call your girlfriend karen this oh, weekend okay we all have bets yeah he's jamie rivers that's no, alex no, 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 and no. kylie i'll answer that question next oh, on 101 you weasel, ESPN. You weasel. we're back to the ribs and bk podcast on 101 espn Defenseman Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Alex Ferrario here with us as well. So we got a text from the text line 65780. If you're listening on Friday, you know that I was supposed to call my girlfriend, her name is Kara, Karen over the weekend. So the 618 says, So, uh, BK, did you call your girlfriend Karen this weekend? We all have some bets on this. Okay, now before we get to the answer, I want to set the parameters the way they were set up last okay. week. And this this challenge, we'll call it, came in reference to not only could you just call her Karen, you had to tell her to calm down or in some kind of a dispute that you're having or discussion, you had to slide in Karen. And if she noticed, you had to try and quickly stick hand to your way and say, I said Kara, didn't I? And so, then let's see what happens. So, so here we go. I'm going to be 100% honest with everybody here. You didn't do it. She didn't get mad at me over the weekend. Oh, my God. Do you not know how teamwork happens? You got to pick a fight then. Yeah, you got to start it. Let me continue. Okay, all right. I'm getting upset here. I assure you. Easy, Karen. I will not not go a full week of not getting in trouble. That will happen at some point, probably in the next 24 hours. So when that takes place, not an if, but a when, I will make sure that I slip in the Karen. Yeah. But over the weekend, it was really, frankly, it's one of my greatest achievements of my entire life. It was all unicorns and rainbows? It was all unicorns and rainbows. We set a new record on wall ball. 
That was well done by us. I almost died by going on a run on Saturday. That was impressive by me. Did you guys go outside at all over the weekend? Yeah. Yeah, I was at the lake. We started softball. I kind of know what you're talking about. Dude. (laughs) I, I legitimately have never felt worse. I got two miles away from the house, and I was like, I, I don't think I'm making it back. Oh, yeah, listen. This is, this is going to be the end. I loved it because we were at the lake, and we spent the entire day Saturday, and I'm not joking, the entire day in and around the water. Why aren't you more red? I don't I don't burn. Really? Yeah, no. I, I, is that the Canadian in you? Or? Yeah, it's the uh, First Nations. Yeah. Didn't you know Canadians don't burn? I don't burn. No, but yeah. We like just, I am more red than he is, and I was outside for the extent of my run. I actually laid out for a bit. I couldn't even believe my kids let me just lay down and just kind of sit there and chill for a while. I, I loved it. It was in the water, out of the water. We were jumping off these high dive things and, like, doing crazy stuff. Body's feeling it today. I'm not going to lie. My lower back, <laughs> my kids were jumping off this thing. I don't know, maybe 20 feet high. Maybe, yeah, maybe 20. Somewhere in there. Anyways, they're just jumping off. The you know, cliffs over no, by the lake? It, no, I, that would be fun. But, no, it was like this one dock that had this huge contraption. Of course, my kids decided to climb up it and jump off. And so nice. I didn't want them to be alone. So I climbed up this thing and, and jumped into, and, you know, not to be outdone, I decided I was going to turn into it like a swan dive, you know? <laughs> so here I am, like, rapidly approaching the earth <laughs> through the air, and... Yeah, you know, it was fun. I didn't get hurt or anything, but I woke up this morning. I was like, ooh, I'm kind of, lower back is kind of feeling it a little bit. I'm not 25 We anymore. went out to softball, and that was a bad decision for how freaking hot it was, but you also re- realized that those swings. Is softball for, taking place now? It's it's starting in two weeks, so we just okay. went out to, because we haven't hit the ball for a, a you year. You guys had official softball practice? Oh, yeah. Oh, my me? God. We take this legit. This is beer league softball we're talking, right? Well, we started with a lot of beers. You got to <laughs> find out how you can handle the bat with the beers. They get buzzed really quick. And oh, you have to yeah. practice with yeah. the beer, yeah. too. The, like, the it's heat, not just the hitting. It's also the chugging the that heat, you have to be practicing. The heat makes those beers a lot more intense. I got a question here from the 636. Uh, Jamie, laid out or passed out? <laughs> um, it was actually just laid out. I hadn't started consuming anything yet, but uh, it's a valid question. Final Thank you. thing, 65780 is Air Comfort Service Exide from the 636. BK, shouldn't you be looking for a house at this point? Aren't you living with your girlfriend's parents? Uh, yes, I, I should be. Also, uh, there's other life events that have to take place beforehand, and I'm I'm about I'm, I'm broke like picking a fight with your girlfriend correct calling her Karen That's so has to happen. we've got to accomplish that one first and then we will continue going down the line of things that need to be checked off on my list that's how you pick the fight bk say talk to kara and explain you're just you're sick of living at, at her parents house uh, that, that that would not be the time to say karen <laughs> that would be great actually pick a fight pick a fight why are we moving out you know what would have been the moment was when i told her hey i'm moving to kansas city i hope that's cool with you uh the reaction in that moment probably would have been the exact wrong moment to say karen it did, it, spoiler alert! Would have showed a lot of um, courage. Given though. the fact that I'm I'm here now, uh, it didn't go well. That uh, <laughs> yeah. that conversation could have gone better. <laughs> With Jamie Rivers, he's a former Blues defenseman. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. We'll get to some if then next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kylie. That's Alex Ferrario. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's play a game of If Then. 
if-then statements. Let's start with this one, Jamie. All right. If Major League Baseball is not able to play a 2020 season, then what? Oh, boy, oh, boy. If Major League Baseball is not able to play a 2020 season, then blank. Then the 2021 season is in jeopardy. That's where I go with it. Because I think that if they can't come to an agreement now, players are going to be pissed, owners are going to be pissed, and I think that the 21 season turns into a strike or a lockout. Now, would it be a full season? I don't know. So maybe maybe it's not the 21 season doesn't happen, but I think that the 21 season is affected by that. I don't even know if I'd say in jeopardy. I say it doesn't happen. I think I, I mean I know that's extreme, but I feel like it, you have to go to that extreme for where this is at. So yeah, I think if we don't see a 2020 season, you don't see a 2021 season. Mm. You see you see some type of ongoing battle, like Jamie said, whether it's a lockout or strike, and it's going to carry over into the 2022 season if they don't find a CBA resolution. Sorry, if Major League Baseball isn't a tr- isn't able to play a 2020 season, then it will become the fourth most popular sport in America. Mm. I think we are going to see the NHL pass it up. I, that Max Kellerman. I just, I yeah, no kidding. If you guys are right, I'm kind of following up on that, right? Just advancing it from there. Well, it's safe to assume we are. Absolutely. You typically are. Yes, correct. If you guys are right and Major League Baseball doesn't play a season this year or next your best stars will be three years removed from playing whenever they return to the field of play. Your young fans will have latched on to other sports in a time when there were very few sports to latch on to. You will have missed uh, two off seasons, basically, of player movement. I don't two years also of younger players developing. Like We haven't talked a lot about that, but a guy like Dylan Carlson, how is he getting better in this period of time? You're essentially missing the prime of a lot of these guys' careers. If Major League Baseball isn't able to play this season, then I think it's going to fall fall behind the National Hockey League in popularity nationwide. Yeah. If-then statements here on Ribs and BK. If the Lakers win the title this season, then what, Jamie Rivers? Then you can just go celebrate with LeBron. That, I know that's every I, every show. We've got to get something that's indirectly LeBron James. I, they're not going to win. We didn't talk about LeBron at all last week. That's not true. Much. You brought up the Miami Heat in one of the discussions. You're like, that Miami that Heat team easy. was great. No, so that sounded like, like BK. I'm like, boy, I don't know. We had two BKs in the building. <laughs> that was awesome. Let me just say, if, if the Lakers... Why is that your BK <laughs> voice? <laughs> My mocking BK voice. <laughs> if the Lakers win, it's not just because of LeBron James. And maybe the narrative isn't on LeBron James. See? Maybe the narrative, wow. Maybe the narrative is, is on Anthony Davis winning his first title. Ooh. It'll be on LeBron. The narrative's always about LeBron. And you know what's going to happen? If the is. Lakers win a title this season, then there will be an asterisk next to it. Why? That's what's going to happen. No way. Why? So you think because of the break, the pause in the season? I won't agree with it, obviously, for clear reasons, because I'm a LeBron stan, but the reason why that will take place is because we're just coming off of this Michael Jordan documentary. There's been all of these comparisons between the two, and so to put down LeBron's accomplishment here, there will be an asterisk put on this title that says this wasn't the same as the other titles to be won. Hmm. I think that's what's going to happen, because this would be four for him. Yeah. It's great. 
There's just still a chance he could get to, get his way to six. Settle yourself down. Yeah, now. but settle down. The four, the there's one out of those four that are. It's LeBron James. The other one, the other two you want it, or the other three you want it with. Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and Ray Allen. I was unaware that Scottie Pippen is a schmuck. <laughs> Scottie and Pippen Dennis is Rodman is no good. Uh, Scottie Pippen is one. Uh, Dennis Rodman, uh, Horace Grant. Are we going to pretend like these weren't incredible players that were surrounding? How no. about no. it, boys? I'm going to no. just let you battle no. for a while. I'm what? just, I'm just why, saying. Why do we do this? Why do we do this? <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, to win a title, you need good players. Not player, players. When was the last time that a great, a singular great player won an NBA title? Michael Jordan. Who said that? Ribs. Come on, why are you stirring the pot? I'm just sitting back enjoying this right now. Why are you stirring the pot, Ribs? It might have been the Raptors, right? Kawhi? Because that team had a lot of really good players. Yeah, yeah. Boy, that's amazing. I'm not sure you could put many other great players. Like, Siakam's a really good player. I don't know that he's elevated himself into that Scotty Pippen, Dwayne Wade type of mix. But I think you could put the Cavaliers when they won with LeBron. I, I mean, Kyrie Irving was Kyrie on that was team. Kyrie was incredible that year. Yeah, yeah I guess that's true. I mean, that's, that's a, that was Scotty Pippen-esque, I guess. Kyrie's issues are off the court, not yeah. on the court. Kyrie's a hell of a basketball player. He thinks player, the world is flat. So. Yeah, well, apparently there's a good documentary on that as well. Oh, no, don't get into that answer. one. I drink a lot of alcohol to watch it. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. If you've got an if-then statement for us. All right, let's go back to this. If the Blues sign Alex Petrangelo to a five-year contract, Jamie Rivers, yep. then blank has to go. By the way, there is an easy answer on this from the 314. Great call, the Dallas Mavericks in 2011. We're not going to talk about who they beat, but that is the correct answer. Go ahead, Jamie Rivers. They beat LeBum. That's amazing, by the way. Um, All right, so if the Blues sign Alex Petrangelo to a five-year deal, then who has to go is what you're asking me, right? Mm -hmm. Does that mean this upcoming season? Correct. Or next season? Um... Uh, it's tough. I'm trying to forecast ahead a little bit here. Uh, I would say, you know, Jaden Schwartz probably has to go. I mean, I think that that's going to be a foregone conclusion anyways in the next couple of years. I hope it isn't. I love Schwartzy, but I think that what he's going to be worth in the open market is probably more than what the Blues will be able to pay him at that time. It'll just be, unfortunately, a business decision. So... That's my final answer. I know everyone wants to say Alexander Steen, but Alexander Steen's a voice in that locker room. So if Petro resigns, then Tyler Bozak and Jake Allen have to go. I think Bozak because Bozak's the one that's had the most. Are like, we talking like immediately buzz. here? Like for next I was season? Forecasting like three sure. years either, either from one now would work. Oh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't, for, like, this year coming up? Well, three years from now, then Justin Falk has to go. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I, that, that's the one I to me. I guess that's the tap-in, right? Yeah. I mean, At this point. Three years from now, Justin Falk has to go, but I think Unless the one he's that, playing amazing. Yeah. Then? But I still think he goes because is he better than Petrangelo and Pareko? No, he never will be. That's the part. And, and you don't want to have three right-handed defensemen and then have to omit to three left-handed defensemen to be a little... But if you're going immediate, which I think is the bigger issue when Petro resigns, is that immediate what's going to happen? Like Armstrong talked about, a chess piece has to fall off. I think it's got to be Bozak because Bozak's a vet. Bozak's a Stanley Cup champion. I'm not discounting what Bozak has been a part of this team. 
but Steen, I think, means a lot more to this team. Yeah, I would probably disagree a little bit with that and it's not what you're saying is correct okay but if i'm looking at it as doug armstrong i'm looking at an older player and steen and now i'm looking at a locker room full of guys you yeah. know have a voice a locker room full of guys That's that have won point. a stanley cup and have had that experience so if it's a strict business decision nothing else going on on right it would be Steen and Allen would vacate yeah. to make room for Petro's immediate salary. And people keep texting and saying, well, Bo Meester's going to be gone. Well, Bo Meester's contract is negated by Marco Scandella's yeah. contract. It's the same contract that they signed. Pretend that Bo Meester is basically still Marco's, on the team. Yeah. That's that's Marco Scandella. They, yeah, they, they got him to replace him. Yeah. They ended up re-signing him to the same it's money. The same money. It, it is a... a Sheer trade, essentially, one for the other. You take one out, you insert the other one in. Next one up for you, if-then statements here on Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. If the fans in the stands goes well at the Memorial Tournament in Columbus, Ohio, and they've been scheduled for 8,000 fans coming up on July 16th through the 19th, if that goes well, then blank, Jamie Rivers. Wow. Then open the floodgates. I think at that point, every sport will start to explore fans on the stands. I mean, I think you have to, right? I mean, if you're an owner or even a league and the revenue that you're looking to generate right now, that's the biggest gut punch is no fans available, no fans available. How are we going to generate dollars? How are we going to do this, right? If you can get, you know, their 20% capacity, even 20% capacity in any arena, any sport. Well, think about the blue. So 20% of... 20,000 ish. Yeah, roughly. It's like 19 and change. Yeah. 4,000 fans? Yeah, about 3,800. That'll play. That'll play. 100% that'll play. It's 3,800 more spending money than you would have had any other way. Let's you say make it's something. 100 bucks. They, they upcharge you, right? Since there's fewer tickets and a higher demand right now. Uh, it's some good money that dollars. you're able to bring yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah, so. That's where I'm at on is if they if they if this goes well and it doesn't turn into the COVID Memorial Tournament in Columbus, Ohio, then yeah, you'll see everybody start to explore it. The confidence goes through the roof of people thinking that this is available for them to come back. They're comfortable. I mean, you're already seeing it with Lake of the Ozarks, which we've already discussed that it's that's still to be determined because you don't know people getting tested. But look at that and people siding. Well, they did it and they're fine. The confidence goes even further at a sporting event. I think people are over it. I Let me clarify. Take two. <laughs> I think a good number of people are over it. They, like, they know that it's out there, right? Everybody understands as to what these risks are if you're going out and doing whatever it is that you're doing on any given, any given day. We talked about this previously with the NBA and NHL and returning to play and the risk thresholds. What are you willing to risk in order to make this happen? For a lot of people, that risk threshold has continually mm-hmm. gone higher and higher and higher where, okay, I'm willing to go to the grocery store today. A week from now, I'm willing to go to get carry out. A week from then, I'm willing to go to sit down outside on a patio for a restaurant. And then maybe you're willing to go sit at the bar. And now you're willing to go to watch the blues as they take on the Predators in an early September game or whatever, right? Yeah. I think that's kind of what we're going to be seeing. I think that threshold has just continually gotten higher and higher and higher. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. We've got some updates on Major League Baseball's negotiating tactic here. 
it's not positive. We'll tell you next time. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. On 101 ESPN. He's former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. He's a jerk. That's Alex Ferrario. <laughs> I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK. Intro him like that every time. Wow. On 101 ESPN. Speaking of jerks. How about the Major League Baseball owners, huh? Oh, boy. <laughs> Things seem to be going well there. This comes from Jorge Castillo on Twitter. He covers the Dodgers um, for the L.A. Times. So if you missed it earlier today, Major League Baseball did send a proposal to the players. For about 10 minutes, I was very optimistic. <laughs> Seemingly, this was a positive. Things were moving in the right direction. It's going to be like a 75% of the players' salaries over 76 games. This is moving things in a positive direction. And then, skirt, we heard the brakes come on real fast from the MLBPA, who suggested this is actually worse than the last proposal that Major League Baseball owner sent to him. Maybe this is part of why they said that. According to Jorge Castillo, besides the money, Major League Baseball's proposal includes a revision to the operations manual that says players would have to sign an acknowledgement of risk before going out and playing. Players believe that it is designed to undermine their right to challenge Major League Baseball if it fails to provide a safe working environment. Buster only followed up on that tweet saying, this is a big, 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 four bigs problem if the two sides aren't close on money. The issue of potential liability at a time when the possibility of coronavirus infection looms, end quote. That comes from Buster only. Man, these sides aren't close. They're just not. They're not close on the health and safety. They're not close on the money. They're not close. They're, they're so far away from meeting in the middle right now that the Players Association is in the owner's proposals considering how would this affect our grievance against the owners if and when we go to court to file one against them. That's how far away this thing is from really happening. We are not close right now. Listen, Danny Max said it earlier today. I can't remember if it was on the show or if it was in the crossover. He talked about how the coronavirus or COVID has been kind of put in the background, which it has happened. And now everything that we're talking about is this proposal for games played, for salaries, prorated, this, that, the other. And sitting over in the corner is the elephant. Now, whether, whatever your feeling is on it, I really don't care. The, the bottom line is it's something that we don't have an answer to right now. And the owners, by suggesting this, are saying, well, guess what? We don't want to take the risk in this at all. We don't want to be held liable. So you guys are going to basically play at your own risk and sign the dotted line right here. Well, that's not right. Like, you got to provide a safe working environment for whatever company it is. And I think everybody can relate to that. You know, whether you're working at the local, you know, gas station, whether you're working at a bank or the grocery store or in here at the radio station, it has to be a safe working environment. We have policies and procedures in place. We know it's documented. We come in the building. Not only are there words, but there's pictures of what <laughs> you should be doing, you know, and... and so if the baseball players, somebody gets coronavirus, somebody's bound to get it, okay? So multiple guys. It becomes a problem. And let's say, let's hope it doesn't happen, but let's say somebody dies from it. Let's just say that. Now what? 
Now you have this battle on your hand, and the owners are going to be trying to wash their hands. The players are like, whoa, 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 not so fast. Yep. So, yeah, this is a huge sticking point, and this is a whole other road. Like, we're not even headed in the same direction as the money we're talking about. This is the health and safety side of it. Yeah, previously we had two cars on the same road going in different directions. Now we have <laughs> just taken a far right turn going to Grand, and it's like, wait, hold on. We were on 17th Street. <laughs> like, what What happened here? And it that's that's part of it. And then there's this from Mike Axisa of CBS Sports who says 82 games at the sliding scale is roughly 33% of the salaries for Major League Baseball players. 50 games at the prorated salary pay that they were talking about at 100% for 50 games would be roughly 33% of the salaries that they would have expected over 162 games. Now, today's proposal, 76 games at 75% prorated pay. Drum roll, please. Roughly 33% of their salaries. And after that tweet, Jack Flaherty, who's been very vocal, it's the same thing. Just worded differently. It's the same thing. And in this one, it feels to me, if I'm a player, it would feel to me like they're trying to pull a fast one on me with that. Yep. With that language being in this agreement, I would say oh, yeah. I would say to my Players Association, I'm sur- sure you can talk about this, Jamie, with some of the agreements that you were handed, or at least the proposals that you were handed. There are times, and these are this is the case for any negotiation, right? It's the case here at 101. If we sign a contract, we need to know everything that's in it. Otherwise, we could sign up for something that is bad for us. You or signed a contract. Huh? You guys signed a contract? I haven't yet, for what it's worth. Um, (laughs) I just keep showing up. They're going to keep pushing that back like the owners. Just keep pushing it back. Just kidding. So it's the same thing if there's somebody else who is in another line of work. you got to look things over first, right? The players looked this thing over and saw this line in there that it it essentially takes away any sort of legal obligation that the owners have to make sure that things are safe. And the players are probably looking at this like, hold on. We were arguing over the money. Mm-hmm. We haven't even gotten to that part yet, and you're already trying to pull a fast one on us there? I would imagine this sets things back even further. It does. As if they needed the to. The trust factor was not there to even begin. I mean, that's a, an understatement, okay? But now, like, guys take money personally, for sure. And, and they, they actually, I don't know if they definitely take it personally. I think there's a certain personal attachment to it. I think it's the business side, and everybody looks at it as the business side. This is not the business side. One, it's an irregular season for that matter. You have something that you've never had to contain with before or contend with, sorry, before. I mean, unless you can remember 100 years ago. (laughs) But so this is personal. When you talk about someone's safety and their health and and then you're basically going to say, we don't really care about your health and safety. You're going to sign this document that says that you're signing off on that. That becomes personal. You feel like somebody's trying to harm you in some way. I would. I would be like, you know what? I feel like they don't care about me. And if they throw me out there, you know, I don't care what your beliefs are. It's a fact. It's happening around the globe right now that people are still contracting the virus and people are still dying from the virus. I mean, you can go on Jack Flaherty's Twitter account over the last week or two and Flaherty, by the way, has found his voice officially. He was never a guy that was shy of talking or making his thoughts known on certain things. We saw what happened in the offseason with his salary and he decided to go to, or he basically would not accept what the team was offering out of principle. The bonus that they were offering. To set him up better for arbitration and he is going to hit arbitration. He's going to fight for everything that he believes that he 
he's worth. And whenever he gets to a negotiation with the Cardinals of an extension, he's going to try to get every dollar that he's worth, as he should. But he is now starting to find his voice on even bigger topics such as this. On Twitter today, as Alex said, he said this is the same deal. It's just been worded differently. When Carl Ravish initially put out this proposal, he said this is not significant moves. In what, in what way is it a significant move for us? Then some guy on Twitter said, I'm a random guy on Twitter, but it seems awfully curious to me that these MLB negotiations are now including potential draft pick compensation changes. This all feels like an early CBA negotiation as much as they are conversations to start the 2020 season. And Flaherty put a gif up of like, oh my God, this guy is absolutely correct. Random guy is correct. Random guy. This is what we're seeing is players are finding a voice and they are making a stand for what they believe in. Now, you can believe whether or not you think that it's a righteous stance, but they do believe it. It's kind of like Michael Jordan, who his perceived slights may have been perceived and maybe they weren't real, but it's what he believes. And so when you get in a situation like this and the players are steadfast and what they believe is just and should take place this season, it becomes very difficult to negotiate off of that place when the other side is also steadfast in what they believe needs to happen for there to be a season. 100%. It's literally two people that are speaking a different language at that point. And the one thing I want to toss back to you guys uh, about Jack Flurry finding his voice mm-hmm. I mean, all the power to him, but do you think that this could potentially damage him in a way? Like, not contract-wise, but, like, right now people are, are, are ticked off. There's no baseball. The players are jerks or the owners are jerks. And now you got Jack Flaherty, who's the up-and-coming superstar pitcher. And we were lucky to have him here in St. Louis. Thank God, yeah. Right? But how are people going to view that? You follow guys on Twitter and you see this Flaherty guy, and you're like, "What? listen, dude, you know, like, just get back to playing. There will be a portion of the fan base that absolutely feels that way. There will also be a large portion of the fan base that maybe likes him even more because he's speaking out. Mm-hmm. So, and, and frankly, uh, knowing the little that I do about Jack, I don't think he cares. I, I, I think he's, he, he's he, a Tommy fan. No, this is more of a question of like Cardinals organization. You're looking at this, and I'm, certainly you can't take away guys' freedom of speech, right? You're not going to do that, but... Do you sit there and go, okay, like at some point, hey, uh, talk to one of the teammates, be like, hey, maybe tell him to, you know, calm down a bit? No, because I think he's doing it in a different way. Like, I think he's being vocal in a scenario that the players are being vocal. You're two separate sides. Cardinals aren't going to view this like a Tommy Pham thing, where Tommy Pham was being vocal about things that shouldn't be talked about in the locker room of Tommy Pham Tommy. saying, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Pham sitting there talking, and I was there in those post-game scrums of, you know, well, I hate losing. These guys need to step up. Yeah, stop playing. Yeah. Yeah. He's not doing that. He's not calling out teammates. He's not making the organization look bad. He's standing up for the Players Association. He's that's kind of calling out the ownership, though. Yeah. But that's what the I players mean, are doing right now. I, that's what I'm saying. That's why plus, I was like, eh. Plus, if he was a mediocre pitcher, yeah, maybe. That's the stud. thing that makes it different. That's yeah. the forgiveness. That's the thing. Yeah. Yep. If, if this guy was middling pitcher guy that could be like on the fringe of making a major league roster, you aren't going to see him making these comments. Yeah. But Jack Flaherty is arguably the best young pitcher in baseball. Yeah. Full stop. And so when you've got those kind of accolades and you've got the past that he has in the future that we all believe yeah. that he has here in St. Louis, 
and you ain't too worried about making these types of comments because it, it isn't it shouldn't probably won't affect your bottom line at the end of the day he's going to get the same amount of playing time he's <laughs> going to get that contract from somebody and you just kind of move forward with it from there i frankly like it i love the fact yeah. that jack flaherty's willing to speak out oh, because like it. it gives us something to talk about i'm just sitting here i'm like trying to be his dad almost i'm like hey jack let me see here it's not your typical cardinal no, that is certainly the case. I see what you're going with there, Jamie, is you very rarely see this kind of outspoken player on the Cardinals. You have it from Yachty, but Yachty didn't even really necessarily get there until later on in his career. And Yachty only does it when he's pushed. Sure. You know, when was the last time we saw a young Cardinal superstar this outspoken? I don't know what the answer to that question is, but it's been a minute for sure. And that's kind of what Jack Flaherty is becoming. I'm, I'm really happy that he is, honestly. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's dive into the junk drawer next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It is Rivs and BK. It's time to dive into the junk drawer. I'll get us started today because it's a follow-up to some of the stories that we've had in recent days here in the junk drawer. Jamie, we've talked a lot about how these Zoom calls, these video conferences lately, have resulted in some unintended consequences. <laughs> you got some people that don't realize that they are being videoed. On their, they don't realize that they are on video at the moment, and they end up showing up in the nude, either in the background or in the foreground of their conference calls. Accidentally on purpose, some of them. Sure. It has happened again. Oh, Come on. This is trending now. This is trending. With another newsman, this time not by his own volition. Chris Cuomo, one of the stars of CNN, the little brother to Andrew Cuomo, was... On his wife's video while she was doing yoga and he was, for whatever reason, outside in the nude. Her video of her doing yoga showed him in the background looking out so you don't see the front. It is oh this behind God. in the nude just gazing into what appears to be a forest behind their house. Yeah, that's got to be that's that's got to be humor. I don't know. I don't blame them. You walk outside naked just to stare at forest. Do you know it's who you're talking to? It's, it's, it's happened. True. I've done that like I, up reda- the lake. I redact that statement. I've done it up at the lake. Not so much here, but up in Canada. We're like a really small lake. I walk out on the deck in the morning and have a coffee and face the lake. I mean, there's no like, I don't know how many people are around this guy. Like just, I don't, I don't know. know. Just and let it all hang out, man. I was just saying, I've never just once woke up and thought, boy, brain out. Let's head outside. Just do a nice stretch. Yeah. At what point do you think stretch his wife flexors? a little bit. It's like Austin Powers. Right? <laughs> well, sorry, go ahead, okay? <laughs> At what point do you think his wife was like, oh, no, 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 Chris, 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 you're on my video. I'm doing yoga. This is being streamed. <laughs> was she doing like a live video? Yes. So the comments are probably like your husband's buns are out. Yeah. Like, how do you know this newsman who goes on CNN every night that just battled through the coronavirus, whose brother is the governor of New York, is currently live in your background. I think I like him a little more now. Because of this? Yeah. He's not afraid. I was going to say, if if he feels good about himself and you think your uh, rear end looks great on camera, Flaunt it. Yeah. I mean, hey, why not? Now, I got a question for you guys. It's a little different angle or different category. Um, 
could the other you? angle wouldn't be good. <laughs> yeah. well, maybe yeah. it's great. You well, never know. No, you okay. don't want Touché. the other angle. I, maybe I don't, but you never know. Anyway. Someone. Could you and would you, and this comes after a UFC fight happened, okay? Could you or would you be able to go out for dinner with a guy who just choked you out? No. In a fight on television? No, because I'd be in the hospital. Okay, <laughs> let's say, uh, okay, so let's let's add to this, okay? If you weren't in the hospital and you were physically able to go out with di- to dinner with a guy, could you go out with the guy and hang out with the guy who just choked you out? I, these guys are so different. Like me, myself, probably not. Okay. But You'd still be like a little UFC guy, about it all? Yeah, I wouldn't be thrilled about a guy choking me out, Jamie. Okay. It's better than being your face bashed in. Both are frowned upon <laughs> for me. <laughs> all right, all right. Ferrari? Yeah, I probably would. I mean, I would imagine you have somewhat of a relationship with that person. It's not like, I mean, if it's like somebody you completely hated, then you're not going to go out with them anyway. So if you're going to go out after a fight, you got to be close. It's something that I'm sure, I'm assuming you just joke about. Like, hey, good job. I'll get you next time. Yeah, well, that's what happened. UFC, we had uh, Herbert Burns and Evander Dunham ended up fighting and Burns choked out Dunham. And then there was a tweet that went out, says now uh, both come, uh, Ali Abdelaziz, God, they say that one again. He said, now that both these guys will come to my house and watch the rest of the fights together and hang out. And That's so unreal. it was confirmed that, yeah, they went and hung out. I now, can, I've never done that. With, yeah. I was oh, about yeah. to say, for you as a hockey guy who was getting into plenty of fights in your playing days, have you ever gone into, let's say, a visiting town and you get into a fight there? And then I know for a lot of you guys, you'll go out with some of the guys that you know from the other team afterwards, go grab mm-hmm. some dinner, a couple of drinks. Have you ever done that with somebody that you got in a fight with? That oh, night? yeah. I mean, yeah, look, at we back in like the junior days and when you're first coming up and there are fights in practice all the time. So, like, last year's Bortuzzo Sanford thing, I giggled when I saw it because I'm like, this was like an everyday occurrence when we first came into the league. Maybe not every day, maybe twice a week it happened. And you're at lunch, like, two two seconds later on the bench and passing the water to each other. And so when you come to games, like, there's times where I went and did something stupid and, like, maybe took some guy's head off. And then, you know, the things happen and just happened. Like, I played for a lot of teams. Mm -hmm. So there's guys that you become really good friends with. And then you battle it out, and punch in the face contest, and then it's like, okay, now let's go get some beers. I've seen him in the hallway at Enterprise Center after a game. Brett, uh, Pat Maroon chirping the other team, going back and forth after a fist fight. They're shaking hands and joking around afterwards in the locker. Like that's just that's just how it goes. When uh, athletes are a different breed, man. When they can do that and just shake that stuff off. <laughs> but you know what? If they're going to get together, see if uh, see if Chris Cuomo wants to come over and hang out. He's hanging out, all right. Yeah, I did, BK. He did. He went there. He's been on fire today, by the way. I'm I'm warming him up. Sometimes whenever you go out, you might might have some pizza, right? Have you guys ever called of pizza terror? You ever heard of that? Have you ever heard of pizza terror? No. Is that like when you drop a box of pizza? Nope. It is when, as a 65-year-old man, for the last decade of your life, you have had unexpected deliveries coming to your house at all times of the day. Oh, yeah. For a decade. So you remember ding-dong ditching, right? Yes. This is essentially ding-dong ditching, but with pizza deliveries. So this man who lives in Belgium has now gotten to the point where any time that he hears the pizza delivery scooter, he gets like the shakes. 
because he's expecting that it's going to come to his door. And for the last decade, at all times of the day, every day, he will have a pizza delivery coming to his house. Somebody has been calling the pizza guy for 10 years, playing this practical joke on this man to send a pizza to his house every day. Okay, so let me, as I'm digesting all of this, okay, so somebody is knowingly Mm -hmm. phoning a pizza establishment and having them deliver a pizza to this gentleman's home at all hours of the day. It's paid for. Not paid for. Oh, it's not paid for. Not paid for. for. Did I ever tell you the story about that? What? My uh, brother and I growing up. Probably not. Let's hear it. Oh, my God. I think I told us a stalter one time on the I'll tell it again real quick. I'll chop it down here. We had a pizza place in Canada that opened up, and it was, like, really, like, heavy into promotions, trying to hit the market with a splash, you know? And so my brother and I thought it would be really hilarious to call the neighbor across the street and basically say, hey, this is the place called Pizza Pizza. I know, pretty original. Hey, this is Pizza Pizza. We're, you know, having this contest, blah, blah, blah. Would you like to qualify for a free large pizza? And they're like, well, yeah, okay, sure, I would. Answer this skill-testing question. We're like, who was Agent 007? I even remember the dumb question. And I was like, what, James Bond? I'm like, congratulations. What kind of pizza would you like? Blah, blah, blah. We'll be there in less than 30. Then we call the pizza place and order a pizza and deliver it to this guy's house. And so the funniest part is watching the fireworks. When the pizza guy shows up, knocks at the door, the guy thinks he won a free pizza. And the other guy doesn't have any idea what the hell he's talking about. And so they're going back. But I won this. I won. What are you talking about? You won it. You called and ordered it. No, I didn't. You guys called me. That's tremendous. It was amazing. Yeah, we we kind of got um, in trouble about it because my parents were like watching us giggle at the front window and the neighbors going back and forth. Anyway, the pizza ended up leaving with the driver again. And so that, that's what happened to this guy. Yeah. So but for a decade and without yeah. any of the funny parts of it, it's just been happening for his entire last decade. It's terrorizing. My this buddies man. and I did it for a week. It was a friend oh, of ours. We did it for a week. And they were like, Mario's gangster side. But then it's like, you know what? You get bored. Like after a week, you're like, Imagine okay. Imagine doing it for yeah. a decade. This, that's guy, commitment. this guy lives in his basement of his parents' house. And he has a whiteboard above his bed that says, Day 367. Let's call the pizza place. But with caller ID, though, like, what I'm talking about was before caller ID. Right. Yeah, but you could still cover that up, though. Star 67, Star 67 baby. still works. Man, I guess you're right. But it would it still work with the same place to learn to that house all Apparently, the time? you got to imagine like that the he's pizza like place has voices. to be. Was he's it the same pizza joke? place? Or was it? I would imagine. I'm not. It didn't yeah. say in the story. Because I wonder it was if he's pizza calling place. different but pizza how many places. Pizza places are there in Belgium that are in this little area? Right. All using a scooter. They're all in on it. That's. Yeah. What I'm convinced now. They're all. They be. have a Facebook group and they're all in on it. That's that's commitment right there, man. Yeah. Ten years. Last thing to throw into the junk drawer. This was the best tweet that I saw over the weekend. Mm. This was the wildest tweet that I saw <laughs> over the weekend. <laughs> From SF, uh, S-Fist, S-Fist, I believe is what it's called. What fist? Uh, it's a San Francisco news organization. Let me clarify there as well. Uh, the Bay Area saw no new COVID-19 deaths today for the first time in three weeks. A local bartender and his spirits makers were arrested on child porn charges. And then, and the Richmond man found eating his dead grandmother has now been charged with her murder. 
Did he actually kill her, though, or just eat her? What the hell? It was a wild weekend in San Francisco, apparently. No, but did he actually kill her, or is he just eating her? Good to see no new COVID-19 why deaths. That, why is that a normal question to you? Well, because I'm trying to wonder how, what can they charge him with. Uh, if he didn't actually murder her, so then there's got to be a different charge for eating a person, right? Or is it actually illegal? I would think eating a person might be worse. I would think Once they're dead? Cannibalism is yeah, uh, frowned upon. Is it? I don't know. I'm being serious <laughs> right now. I'm not text being... us 65780 on the Air text line. Is cannibalism illegal? Yeah, I don't know. And, like, I'm not condoning it. Don't don't think I'm like, oh, everybody's just going to go not. cut up. Some-. No, I'm not going to eat another human being, nor do I think it's good and I think it's gross. <laughs> I'm just sitting here breaking it down going, was he charged with murder? Or did he, what if she just died of natural causes and he got hungry? I just read the tweets for you, man. I just read <laughs> the tweets. <laughs> with former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. There is some movement Within leagues. It's 102. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. But it's not on the major league side of things. I'll explain next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. So we got some follow ups to the story. The man who uh, ate his grandmother. <laughs> Naturally. Of course that comes up at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. As one does on a random Monday. You know. Text line, very informative. We asked a question, is it legal to eat someone uh, after they passed away if you had not, in fact, killed them? And it looks like uh, general consensus is yes, it's illegal. Makes sense. To eat um, another I'm human being. I'm actually glad that that's illegal. I'm so happy it's illegal. Because I was wondering at first, I'm like, there's there's got to be a law for this. If there's not a law, like, we got to work on this because he shouldn't be able to eat another human being. I mean, so anyways, we had some uh, some great texts. I appreciate all of your information. People post links to, like, websites, fantastic stuff. And we even got a, a great text from uh, Ferrario's uncle. Said that cannibalism is a felony. So thank you, Uncle Ferrario. Oh, look at that. My uncle's chiming in. Yeah. I'm curious which one has researched cannibalism. I don't know, but... It should be a little so concerning. I'm glad Jamie, you... you sent me down a rabbit hole. Yes, okay. <laughs> so you said, uh, it would, I, I wish there would be a law if this wasn't illegal. Made me wonder, what are some of the most ridiculous laws out there? I just did the there? same thing, oh, BK. I, I, I can't not yeah. look this up, and so I, I'm going to go through some of into my trap of stupid oh, conversations. I had a great one that I pulled up immediately. All right, Ar- let's do it. In Arkansas... A pinball machine cannot give away more than 25 free games to a player who keeps winning. The statute aims to prohibit machines that encourage gambling, apparently. Who's gambling on pinball? Well, I mean, I guess you could. You hey, can gamble on anything. Stalter's been up there yeah. for the last week and a half, man. BT's been point. gambling on NASCAR. That's true. So you can't win 25 games. What if you've earned 25 games? Doesn't matter. It's illegal. Yeah. You got to get off. You got to... Yeah. You gotta you gotta finish off for a game and then you can come back, right? Come. I I tried to rephrase that seventeen different ways and that was the only thing I can come up it's with. Like still playing a, pinball? It's like eating a banana. You just can't do it. There's oh, no way. Wow. How about this one, BK? In Arizona, it's illegal for a donkey to sleep in a bathtub. What? Ribs, you've slept in a bathtub. Before, I've right? slept in a bathtub a few times. No, for it's sure. not in Arizona, right? It's not in Arizona. Um, why? Okay, so the best question I have... This one's better. The best question... We'll get to that. The best question I have about the donkey in the bathtub is, 
How did we even get to that law? That's like the the the, the warning disclaimer, right? Yeah. The, you'll see these things where it's like, hey, uh, on your Starbucks coffee, this is hot. <laughs> yeah. It will hurt if if spilled upon yourself. And it's like, yeah, I would imagine, I hope that my coffee is hot. But they had to put it on there because there was a person so who I sued at some point in time. But a donkey in a bathtub, BK? I things get wild. Man. Like, does that get really? Is that an issue? Get wild. Does it, does it really, is it really an issue? Have you ever been to a party in Arizona? Mm, yeah. Yes. Well, Jamie is the party in Arizona. Now you've got your a, answer suddenly. A That's a question for Vitaly next time you get him on. He is a donkey. How about oh, this? Even there, oh, that's right. Sorry. We're going down a rabbit hole of ridiculous yes. laws in certain states. This is mine are coming from Business Insider, so I'm pretty sure they're they're real. Uh, from <laughs> I have to give that disclaimer before what I'm not about a to read. Checking show, yeah. so <laughs> come on now. Good luck with that. In Florida, people who own bars, restaurants, and other places where liquor is sold may be fined up to one thousand dollars if they participate in or permit. Any contest of dwarf tossing. <laughs> Boy, I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, what? Dwarf tossing. Oh, it's a thing. You saw Wolf of Wall Street, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. They I had... thought that was just a movie, though. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> At one point in oh, time. Oh, no, Jamie. Come on. I have get to out tell of here. You this. Think about t- this before yeah, you say come it. Come on, buddy. I'm going to try and steer clear of, of all problems. Do I need the dump button ready? De- I don't. I will never know. I'll be okay. ready. <laughs> At one time. Here in the St. Louis area, maybe East St. Louis, there was an establishment, maybe PTs, that had a dwarf tossing night inside. And a few hockey players may or may not have been there that night to witness this said event. And I can tell you that probably a good thing that there's a fine out there. There should probably be a little bit of a stricter law. I saw some pretty heavy-duty dudes get pretty liquored up and throw some people pretty far, and it looked like it would probably cause a lot of injury, although they did wear helmets. Sounds like a hell of a time, Ribs. In Idaho, cannibalism is strictly prohibited and punishable by up to 14 years in prison. Wait for it. Except under life-threatening conditions as the only apparent means of survival. Oh, yeah, I, I can get see that. that. I yeah. can see that. Bear Grylls style. Absolutely. Once again, I would like to know when this statute was put into place. <laughs> I would love to know the story where they were like, oh, actually, no, that shouldn't be considered cannibalism. Nope, we got to fix this, boys. Yeah, you got to go to jail, but uh, the next person that does this, no, 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 they're, they're going to be getting off scot-free. What was that situation? I, I'm telling you. I'm and finding out here on the text line that it's illegal. Wait, it is a it, it's illegal to kill Bigfoot. Well, it should be. Yeah. What are you going to kill him for? We've been looking for we all these. Have, can't even find him. We've yeah, been well. looking for centuries to find Bigfoot. Bigfoot, well. and you're telling me that it would be legal to kill him? No, yeah. that sounds some like a terrible get, idea. Some people get their degree in Bigfoot, so yeah, you know. I don't know. I just I look at it. Well as, we've never like, major. That'd be like saying it's illegal to kill an alien. Probably it should it be illegal to kill an alien. I don't think it is. Area 51. I don't think it's illegal there. to kill There them. should be the disclaimer, though, kind of like cannibalism, where if they are trying to kill you, you can kill the alien. They're trying to perform awful tests on me. I can kill them. Yeah, that should be where the disclaimer comes in. By the way, it was my wife's uncle, not an Uncle Ferrario, so I'm a little worried about going around family functions Uh-oh. next time if he's Googling uh, cannibalism laws. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Glad we went down that rabbit hole.
Yeah. It's Richard too. BK on 101 ESPN. Sports, we could, uh, <laughs> baseball, get it together, fellas. Speaking of baseball, Bob Nightingale is going to join us next to tell us the latest on the MLB players and owners negotiations. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Defenseman Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Happy to go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line where somebody will bring a little professionalism to this show. <laughs> Happy to be joined by Bob Nightingale. He's a baseball writer for USA Today. You can follow him on Twitter at B Nightingale. Bob, how you doing today, my friend? Yeah, doing well. Thank you. I uh, appreciate you hopping on with us today. So the big news this morning was that Major League Baseball has sent a proposal to the players uh, just as some of the like top-line takeaways from it. 75% prorated salary, 76-game season. There would be playoff pool money, no draft pick compensation for signing players in the offseason. My initial takeaway was, wow, okay, we've actually got a real proposal. And then I see your tweet, Bob, that says the PA considers this a step backwards from what the Major League Baseball owners previously had proposed. Why is that? Well, in the agreement, just 50% of the uh, contracts are, uh, you know, are guaranteed. But if there's a full postseason, 75%. So they're asking the players to take on some of the uh, risk if the uh, second wave of the virus rolls around in the postseason's canceled, which wipes out about a billion dollars. So that's what they, uh, that's what they does a step backwards. Remember, they also asked for a 114-game season at one, at one point, and that's just not going to happen. Bobby Boogie, it's good to have you on the show, <laughs> buddy. I miss you. Um, quick question regarding the happenings today. And I said this at the top of our show. I said, I, I just feel like both sides continue to move the goalposts around so that there is no ending that's coming. Now, in your opinion, do you get the feeling that they're headed towards some kind of a solution? Or do you just feel like things are just going to keep popping up in these discussions to stall the negotiations? No, I think I think it's a uh, a good sign as far as at least there's a, 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 a you know a full proposal you know being made a formal proposal I should say and then they're asking for a response by Wednesday uh, you know hey we're going to have a baseball season the only question is how many games you know it's going to be at least forty eight games uh, you know you know maybe eighty one games but you know they have to agree on that with with the salary but just yeah it's that's the only real question is how many games are we going to play. So do you think, Bob, in your opinion, that this could be a situation where in the end there is no agreement between the two sides and we end up just playing a 48-game season that is mandated from on top? Yeah, and that's the worst thing that can happen. It's just, yeah, the 48 games. And that would be, uh, you know, shoot, that's only, what, 14 more games of spring training. So, uh, you know, that wouldn't fly. You know, the fans would be upset by that because obviously, you know, it's almost like a tournament. In 48 game season, you know anybody can make the playoffs. There'll be some great teams that miss out, so it would make it more of a uh, a carnival, I think, than a real baseball season. We're talking with Bob Nightingale. He's a baseball writer for USA Today. You can follow him on Twitter at b Nightingale. 
Bob, we had you on a few weeks ago, and at the time we were all kind of looking towards basically this time of early June as the potential quote-unquote deadline to be able to get on the field by the 4th of July. And I believe at the time you said 80-85% sure that you felt like we were going to be able to watch 4th of July baseball. What happened? How did we get here? How did we arrive in a place where that's it, it appears not going to end up happening? Yeah, just, you know, uh, taking way too long. I mean, even the proposals, this one, the third one by MLB. I think the last one was, uh, yeah, May 26. So it's just a, uh, you know, too much standing around. Uh, that's I think this, I think this is a critical week uh, to make sure it's done. But you're right, that's not going to happen by July 4th. There's not enough time on the calendar. Did uh, you have to give the players about a week to show up at camps and then they uh, actually spring training? You know, that's a month right there. So, yeah, time's on the side. They got to, uh, that's right. That's right. They will reach some kind of agreement or do something. They have to by the end of next week. But I, but I do believe it'll be done by this weekend. So, Bob, focusing on something different that I read here just a couple of segments ago is the Major League Baseball owners are wanting the players to basically sign, for lack of better words, a waiver as far as their health concerns or if they have any problems with the COVID-19 virus. Let's say the owners force the player's hand and just do this 48-game schedule and say, too bad, so sad. What kind of options do the players have at that point if they don't feel they have a safe environment to play in and the owners are just kind of forcing them into this agreement? Well, then the players, you know, have the right not to play. They, you know, they won't get paid, uh, won't get service time, but they have the right, you know, not to, not to play at all. Uh, you know, go on a restricted list. So, you know, maybe some players you know, would do that. Uh, you know, obviously majority would still play, but, you know, you may have some, you may have some star players that just aren't going to risk themselves or some of their families of, uh, you know, getting the, getting the virus and, uh, and getting some other, other loved ones sick. Bob, do you feel like the owners are negotiating in good faith right now? I do. I mean, I think both sides are. I mean, both are hard-headed and everything else. But, I, you know, this proposal was a, uh, I think, a big step forward for them uh, in a different way. I mean, they did raise the uh, postseason money from $200 million to $400 million. Uh, now, don't, you know, no draft pick compensation for the uh, big-time free agents. So, I, I think those were some concessions. Bob, as we as we creep into this season happening, which of course you know we're optimistic it can happen, but if it ends up in a situation where the players are, you know, for lack of better words, forced to go back to play, how does this affect going into next season and the fact that the CBA will be coming up for negotiation again? What will the players do in reaction to that? Well, then I think it'll get ugly. I mean, then I think in spring training, even you're talking about, hey, you think you guys might go on strike this summer? You know, that sort of thing. You know, where, uh, you know, it's like, you know, there's no way to reach agreement by December 1st. So if the players take things in their own hands and say, you know what, we're going to go on strike before the postseason. Uh, you know, if, if you don't come up, come and uh, make some moves that we want to be made. So, yeah, I think it'd be very, very ugly. What does this mean for next offseason, Bob? What are, what are we going to be looking at for the players? Well, it's going to be a rough winter for them, big time. I mean, obviously, you know, the revenue is going to be cut, you know, by at least half. You know, instead of a ten point seven billion dollar industry, now you're talking about, you know, probably under four billion. And then some be teams that say, you know what, I'm not touching the free market. I lost too much money in 2020. 
So I don't care who's out there. I'm not touching them. So I think it's going to be a little rough winter for uh, arbitration eligible guys who may all of a sudden be non-tendered, in particular for free agents. So, Bob, uh, we're noticing that some sporting events are starting to allow fans to get back into the action here. With the possibility of that happening and maybe, you know, we got golf, we're talking about other events, would fans in the stands change this agreement completely if for the players and the owners? Because obviously we know we couldn't sell out 30,000, 40,000 uh, baseball stadium, but it does create a different amount of revenue that can be possibly taken in by the owners. So therefore, I believe it would have to be in the negotiation somewhere, don't you think? Yeah, uh, no, I uh, completely agree, and I have not heard that yet. Uh, so yeah, by the end of the season, for sure, you would think that a lot of stadiums might be able to at least have quarter capacity of fans, things like that. So I don't know where, uh, yeah, what, what that number or where that, you know, where that exists, because uh, I have not heard that in any proposals. That'll be for golf. It's coming up in Ju- July. And then the, yeah, last week, there was a report from the Dallas Morning News that it sounds like baseball in Texas could potentially have fans in the stands uh, because their governor says that they are able to have fans in the stands down there as well. Uh, Bob, that's where that's coming right, from. Right. Yeah. yeah, I know. And then, uh, you know, I think it's, you know, the same thing could happen in Arizona and the same thing could happen in Florida. I mean, things are wide open in Arizona now where I, where I live. And, they, uh, yeah, there's plenty of, uh, you know, all the restaurants are open right now. How do you think that affects things, Bob, overall? If only a couple of states are allowed to have, you know, fans that attend the games and other states aren't, how, how do you think that that revenue gets split up between the teams? And how do you think the players would view that agreement? Yeah, no, great question. I don't know if it would be shared among teams or not. I mean, it's not supposed to be revenue sharing at all this year. Uh, no one's paying taxes and that sort of thing. So, but you know, so I don't know if you get a lucky break because you're living, your, your team plays in the state uh, where fans are allowed or, or, or how that works or where that money it is divvied up at all. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, and then I think it's confusing too. It's like, okay, say uh, in St. Louis, what when a ballpark village is open and then, then the stadium isn't, uh, Cardinals own, you know, a good chunk of ballpark village, you know, who gets that money? So maybe teams just keep that own money. Bob, final question that I have for you. You said this is a huge week. There needs to be some sort of an agreement, at least within the next couple of weeks. When this thing's done, what do you expect the agreement to look like if there is one? Well, I, I think it will be right around, you know, 78 to 82 games, uh, something like that. I, I believe that the, the players won't get full pro rate of pay, but, you know, maybe 85% of it, 90%. And I think there will be have to be maybe if they uh, they'll get the full Florida pay if there's a postseason completed and they get a good chunk, just like we're talking about four hundred million dollars or so from the uh, postseason revenue, maybe even increase it to five hundred, even you know maybe fifty fifty split. So I think it'll it'll look like that in the, in the long run. He's Bob Nightingale. You can read his work. USA Today is where you find it. Find him on Twitter as well, at B Nightingale. We always appreciate him taking the time to come on with us here on Ribs and BK. Bob, all the best to you and your family, man. Hopefully we'll talk to you soon, and hopefully we're able to talk about a real baseball season here pretty soon. All right, look forward to it. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. That's Bob Nightingale joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. It's 127. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. A lot that I want to react to there. He says that he fully anticipates we're still going to have a baseball season. 
but it could be the 48-game mandated season. He also gave us an idea of what the season could look like if there is an agreement in the next week or so and why he thinks that there needs to be an agreement by the end of the weekend. We'll get into all of that on the other side on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Taking way too long. I mean, even the proposals on the third one by MLB. I think the last one was, uh, yeah, May 26. So it's just the, uh, you know, too much standing around. That's why I think this, I think it's a critical week to make sure it's done. But you're right. That's not going to happen by July 4th. It's not enough time on the calendar. So, yeah, time's on the side. They got to, uh, that's why I think they'll reach some kind of agreement or do something. They have to by the end of next week. But I, but I do believe it'll be done by this weekend. That was Bob Nightingale of USA Today who joined us moments ago with Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. Wanted to react to a few of the things that he had to say. And that was one of them that really stuck out because at the same time that he was saying that, Jack Flaherty has been tweeting. Here's what Jack Flaherty just said to Tim Brando. All the owners have done is cut minor leaguers, try not to pay minor leaguers, cut off negotiations, made the same offer three times to the players, delayed the start of the baseball season, took weeks with offers to delay this process. Players came to an agreement, tried to work out the health arrangements, paid for the minor leaguers to be able to continue getting their paychecks, and worked out for months in preparation for a season that has now been delayed. That all coming from Jack Flaherty on Twitter. I think the big question that I have is, are the players and the owners actually negotiating in good faith? Are the owners trying to get a baseball season played? Because the players came out over the weekend. I don't know if you saw this, Jamie, because you were down at the lake. But on Instagram, if you follow any player in Major League Baseball, you very likely saw them post something that said, we are ready to play. I think it was a concerted effort because I follow a lot of the Cardinals on Instagram and they were all tweet or uh, posting this up on Instagram over the weekend. So it was pretty clear it was coming from up high to make sure that that message gets across that they're not the ones that don't want to play. How many of them have you blocked? Uh, none of the baseball players. They don't have you blocked yet? None of the baseball players. Oh, okay. The owners, meanwhile, I'm not sure they have that same mindset. I think they want to play. I think they want to play on their terms. And the best way to do so is to continue to drag their feet and say, no, 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 no. Keep giving the same offer when they know it's not going to be accepted by the players. And eventually you'll get to the place where, well, the only option is a 50-game season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll give you your full prorated salaries, exactly what you wanted, but it's going to be a 50-game season. Take it or leave it. That's the last offer. And I think that's where we're headed. This is why I keep saying that the owners keep moving the goalposts. They do. Every time you think you're you're about to kick that field goal, they move the goalpost. You know, I mean, it's literally what they're doing. And now the latest one is this liability waiver that they've brought up, which seems like it's been brought up out of nowhere. Maybe they've been talking about it behind closed doors, but I haven't heard it out there yet until today. And Jack Flaherty is calling him out. I mean, he is. I mean, he's obviously sick of some of the speculations that are going on and maybe some of the things people are saying. And certainly he didn't like what Tim Brando was saying about the whole situation. But he's put it, He's shedding some light yep. on the situation. But, yeah, I agree. I think the owners are just going to continuously move the goalposts over, back, over, back, over, back until they get to the area that you're talking about, that 50-game area. And then they'll act like, oh, it all came together when it was the plan all along. The owners pretty clearly, in my mind, have a bottom line number 
this is the amount of salary we're willing to pay this year. I don't know what that number is, What whether it's a billion or 800 million. I, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's clear they have one in mind. We're not willing to go what above What is baseball's this. overall salary total? Like every team together. Do we I, know that? I don't know. I think it's like $4.6 or something like that. Yeah, it's I'm just trying to figure it out in my 10. head to see where, you know, where would they might be. As far as what you're saying. Yeah, I want to say it's somewhere around $4 billion, but I'd have to look that up. But I think they have a number in the back of their mind of this is what percentage of that number, of the overall number, mm-hmm. typically what they would pay, that we're willing to pay in 2020. And whatever that number is, they're not deviating from it. Whether they play 50 games, they'll pay up to 100% of that, right? So whatever that number is, that's yeah, the amount. That number stays the same. Exactly. So just, yeah, exactly. If they're playing 75 games, it's 75% of yeah. that 75 games. They've got a number in the back of their mind, and they know exactly what it's going to be. 100%. So what is this baseball season going to look like if and when it is played? That's what we asked Bob Nightingale just a little bit ago. Here's what he projected he thinks it's going to look like. Well, I, I think it will be right around 78 to 82 games. I, I believe that players won't get full pro rate of pay, you know, maybe 85% of it, 90%. And I think there will be have to be maybe if they, uh, they'll get the full pro rate of pay, there's a postseason completed, and they get a good chunk. Just like we're talking about $400 million or so from the uh, postseason revenue, maybe even increase it to 500 even, you know, maybe a 50-50 split. So I think they'll, it'll look like that in the, in the long run. I just don't think it's going to be that many games. I think we've I think we've missed it. I think we missed I think the deadline to be able to play those 82 games was 4th of July. And I think the owners know that. And so they said to themselves, everybody's talking about June 1st or June 4th or the 10th or whatever. Our deadline is 4th of July to come to an agreement. Yeah. They want to play 50 games. And if they want to play 50 games, the best way to do so is to continue pushing this thing forward. It's going to look bad. Of course it is. It's going to sound bad, and it's going to continue disgusting all of us that listen to it and watch it play out in real time. But then I see a tweet like this, which just came out from Joel Sherman of the New York Post. MLB's latest proposal gave the union a deadline of Wednesday to reach an agreement for a 76-game season. The inference on this is that each few days is going to keep lowering that number of total games believed possible by Major League Baseball until eventually we potentially get to that 48 to 54 range of full prorated salaries. They've got until Wednesday to agree to a 76 game series or 76 game season. They're not going to agree to this. We've been told already publicly the the union is it's a it's a non-starter what they were proposed mm-hmm. today. So Wednesday is 76. Maybe by next Sunday it gets down to 70. By next week at the end of the week you're down to 65. And then suddenly, magically, we're going to work our way into that 50-ish game mark. And that's where the owners are actually going to give a real proposal to the players. That's my projection on what's going to happen here. So Marley Rivera, a friend of the show, a friend of our station, Marley Rivera, ESPN. She says, she writes a tweet, a PA rep for an NL team, National League team, quote, we don't want more or less than what we're due. It just feels that the owners are tanking these negotiations on purpose. It's exactly what we're saying. Yep. I mean, there's more that goes on, and she talks about another Major League Baseball player with another quote, says, we're so sad, we're ready to play. I've never made and will never make millions, and I still understand how privileged I am to play baseball. I just don't understand being accused of greediness for trying to get a full prorated salary. I think that's fair. So we're getting a peek here behind the curtain on the player side of how they feel things are going. So the trust issue, 
boom, front and center about we feel like the owners are tanking these negotiations. And then secondly, public opinion. It's getting to them. Obviously, this player here, whoever it is. I get it, too. He says, you know, I'm not making millions. And even if I was, basically, we know it's a privilege. We understand that. But still, it's what we're owed. I don't think we're being greedy. So we're seeing now where these speed bumps are lying. And this great stuff from Marley Rivera, of course. She's awesome. Um, but that's, this is what we're dealing with. It all comes back to the March agreement. Like we, we probably don't mention that March agreement enough because the players believe in their, the back of their minds, we had an agreement. It was a prorated salary for 82 games, and we were going to play the season that way. We had the agreement, and the owners now came back, and they said, no, because there's no fans in the stands, that agreement is null and void. We don't view it as being something that is actually agreed upon. Pretend as if it never happened. And the players continue to go back to, but it did happen. We, we made that agreement. And so your belief on what these negotiations are like right now is probably centered around how you feel about that agreement. I do think this is another great tweet. This came out from uh, Jack Flaherty retweeted it. He said, Owners have essentially offered them a one $120 bill, two $10 bills, <laughs> four $5 bills, or $21 bills, and they can't seem to figure out why the players keep saying no. That's pretty much what's happening right now. If you look at the actual total dollars that are being spent by the owners, no matter which agreement you look at or the proposals, the first three that they've sent out have basically been the same amount of money for the players. It's just divided up into different ways. Well, you were getting some of the text line uh, lighting up here, and we're getting some of the opinions from the fans, right? It says this motive regarding the owners completely guts modern fans' interests coming from a group of waning fans. It's not good, man. You're not alone. 636, you're not alone. And it's, it is it is a horrible look for the league. It does not appear that anything is going to be agreed upon anytime in the immediate future. And it's it, it these stories aren't going away. They're not done. There's going to be more of them. And Even once there's an agreement, there's going to be some, you know, there's going to be aftermath to all of this stuff. And then we get into the offseason, and then we've got the story of why aren't the middle-class pay- pay- players being paid the way that they expected to. You're going to get into spring training next year. You're going to hear a lot of quotes from players that are furious about the way that the season played out this year. And then you're going to get into the offseason, and boom, you've got CBA negotiations. It... it I don't. I don't know how they come out of this unscathed. Um, I don't know that they can at this point. Baseball keeps getting in its own way, in my opinion. For a fan base, the where the attendance has decreased steadily over the last handful of years. Yeah, revenues are fine, um, but the attendance is going down, which means your sport is not being viewed by as many people anymore. This is not going to help you. And you keep looking for ideas and you talk about other things, the DH and the interleague play or whatever. You're switching it around, speeding up the game, all these things. How about you just change your attitude and the way you guys are approaching the sport? The owners and the players union, figure it out, man. You need somebody to look at this and say, we've got to do something for the good of the sport. At the end of the day, that's what the NHL and NBA are doing. They're doing this for the good of the sport. We've got to do this. We've got to try. Even if they can't, there's still a lot of hurdles for both of those leagues to actually be able to come back, put on the postseason, and finish things out, right? Still a ton of hurdles to clear, but they're trying. They came to the agreement. This is what it's going to look like if and when we're able to get back on the the field of play. We're going to go for it. Baseball hasn't even gotten there yet. They haven't even been able to reach the agreement of this is what it's going to look like when we get back. you got to at least have somebody in that room that says, guys, you're going to kill this sport. This is going to be bad for the game of baseball, America's pastime, the sport that you all claim to love. 
at some point we've got to do it for that. Stop doing it for doing it for your pocketbook. Stop doing it for the name on the front of your jersey, the baseball stadium, any of these things. Do it for the game. Yeah. And people have lost sight of that. I feel like people in these negotiations have completely lost sight of what we're actually trying to fight for here. I'll tell you it's what. Ridiculous. Coming from our text line, obviously passionate baseball and Cardinal fans, people are over it, man. So to your point, we got to figure this out because some of these fans are the greatest fans on the planet, and you're ruining their love for the game. With Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. We'll cross things over with the fast lane next. We're back to the Rivs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. Crossing things over with the fast lane, Brad Thompson in studio. What up, BT? Not much, man. Just, uh, you know, you never know what you're going to hear on a given day. <laughs> and, you know, things that you see, things you might run into. Cannibalism, though, wasn't one that I thought <laughs> that I'd hear about. Yet here we are on uh, BK and Rivs. So I saw a tweet over the weekend, and it, you know, reeled me in. Of course it uh, The Bay Area <laughs> saw no new COVID-19 deaths today for the first time in three weeks. Very nice. It is good. Do you get it if you eat somebody that had it? Well, hey, maybe we, you're going to figure that out for me. A uh, local on. bartender and spirits maker was arrested on child porn charges. Okay. Frowned not upon. Rabbit hole I want to get into here. And the Richmond man found eating his dead grandmother has now been charged with her murder. That would get me too. All right. Go on. Did they figure out what happened? <sighs> nope. That's Go all I got. On. Okay. So that's that, all was, I got for it, you. that raised the question for me at this point because it doesn't say he. It doesn't say he murdered his grandmother, okay? They are charging him with murder, but it doesn't say that he right. did it. And that, But he he did eat her. So, like, what we we sent to the text line said, is it illegal to eat another person? We found out quickly, yeah, you're not supposed to okay, eat other it's people. Frowned upon. It's fr- heavily frowned upon. But He must like jerky. <laughs> I've got a... Uh, <laughs> she was a little leathery. I've got this story for you. Well, it's kind of chewy, damn, damn. Maybe smoked, too. Pack a day for 20 years. Dwayne Wallach is accused of killing his 90-year-old grandmother, Ruby, who officers found after responding around 2 o'clock on Monday. If you met an old lady named Ruby, would your first time be like, yeah, I got to kill her? But I wonder what the conditions were. Like, you brought up, like, was he hungry? Did he not have money for know. food? I mean, he seems like he's bartender, spirit maker. He's got a lot going on, although he's... That was a different story. Oh, it's a different story? <laughs> separate, uh, three separate stories. I was stories. like, that he's was kind of a scumbag. Guy. Yeah. 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 Uh, officers found him digging into his grandmother's flesh and had to use mm. a taser gun to subdue him. Oh, he's a... Oh, he's a night walker. Taser, taser, taser. (laughs) Prosecutors charged him with murder with special allegations that he used an ice pick and knife in the killing and then mutilated the body afterwards. Wish I didn't read this, actually. All of a sudden, COVID doesn't seem so bad, does (laughs) it? But wait, did he actually murder her with those or was he just like tenderizing it before? You know what? It is an important step. How did we get here? I don't know. So so is is this a... Junk drawer. The junk drawer. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, no, it's fair. That is a, that is a totally fair. It's just an thing. element of our show. You know what? One of the worst things that that people could probably go do is go like shoot something, an animal, right, and then just leave it. Like you know, eh, well, I don't want that deer. Nobody could eat off of that thing. If you're gonna kill something, whatever it may be, 
you might as well utilize the meat. That's the way <laughs> I feel. These are my feelings. I can't believe I'm That's hearing awesome. this right now. Right? That's fantastic. I mean, it's like, why? I was hungry. Okay, I get. Don't do it again. I mean, I don't like it, but now I understand. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Now, it turns it out this sense. guy's probably just a little bit crazy, and he's going <laughs> to uh, spend the rest of his life behind bars. But a little bit. Okay, yeah. so if he's behind bars, and you know this guy is in there for like killing and eating his grandmother, how like scared I don't be are you? Roommate. Exactly, you don't be a cellmate, right? No. I do, that's Wake a, up with a steak and. A Air? knife and steak, steak knife and fork. Oh my God! Wow! Why don't he get buddy? those things into my, his cell? Well, what, you know did how. he keyster him? <laughs> yeah, 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 Somebody mulled him in there, Some prison are. wallet style. So we continued down the rabbit hole, naturally, as one where does. Did, where else did it go? <laughs> so in Idaho, cannibalism is strictly prohibited, naturally, yeah. and punishable by up to fourteen years in prison, except. Under life-threatening conditions as the only apparent means of survival. No, that's that's legit. That Makes one sense. leaves Surprise you... Surprise, it's only in Idaho. That leaves you a little bit of a, <laughs> a loophole, though, doesn't it? It's like, hey, I'm going to go out hunting with my buddy, who actually I don't like that much. Uh, because, you know, I'm into his wife, he's into mine, doesn't matter. <laughs> One of us got to go, it's going to be him. And <laughs> you know, just coming up with a random story here. Yeah, yeah speaking. And uh, it turns out he didn't make it, we're stuck out here. Where's half of I'm Bob? lost. Yeah. Where's half of Bob? Right. Yeah. I, I ate him. Okay, see, I, I see where to. you're going. Now, the precedent, was it Iowa? Idaho. Idaho. So if yeah. I'm a lawyer for this other guy in San Francisco in California, I'm going, you know what? There's precedence been set in Idaho here point. that I think that my client, you know. He feared for his life. Feared for his life something. Maybe the he was. year old grandmother. Concussed. He woke up, couldn't get out of the house, starving, and she just happened to be laying there and looked tasty. You know what? I, I think that we've uh, think that we've looked at this from many different angles. <laughs> And I think after uh, stepping back for a second, we realize um, th this guy's probably a horrible person. And, <laughs> well, there's no doubt. That's um, never been yeah. in and, question. And I, But I learned more about cannibalism on this show today than I expected to coming in on a Monday. I can't wait until on Mondays we have to break down sports. Isn't that going to be great? One of our so texters awesome. also learned something What'd today. What did they say? It said, uh, remi reminder to self, never go hunting with BT. You guys want to go hunting? There you go. Especially hey. if your name's Bob. Where's half a Bob? Bob? I don't know any Bobs. <laughs> we you guys were talking Boogie. about Bob last week, weren't you? Which Bob? I don't know. Bobby Boogie uh, joined us on the show today. Bobby Boogie. Oh, is that right? He loves that name, by the way. Does he? Bob Nightingale? Yeah. Oh, loves me. Big fan. Yeah, I called him Bobby Boogie. I don't think hey, our relationship got, will ever be the you same. Got, you got him having the giggles a little bit, then <laughs> yeah. you got him engaged? Yeah. I don't mind, man. He's got some great stuff. I don't know if he likes Bobby Boogie, but... He'll figure it out. Yeah. He said uh, he said he thinks there's going to be a 78 to 82 game season. I like what Bobby Boogie's talking <laughs> Me about. Me too. I like what he's having right I now. I like that quite a bit. Uh, do, now, does it does it look just like every other proposal, but they wrap it up better? Uh, he yeah. said 85% prorated salary. That looks be what better. Guess. Yeah, it looks a lot better. He's got a, ni a nicer bow on it. Yes. So uh, you've got kids. Do you ever, like, uh, as the kids were growing up, did you try to feed them something, then they didn't want it, but you put the same thing on, like, a, a special plate, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, I wanted these apples. It's what they're trying to do, but the, the, the uh, union's not falling for it yeah. yet. Yeah, I, nice I tried plate. that tactic with different plate and then acting like I put something on it or, you know, oh, I put some of that you know, candy flavoring uh -huh. on this. And they, You'll like, dig this. in and, and they're like, wait, it tastes the same. I'm like, like no. Put it on you, the patio. Go eat outside special. Just, just wait for it. 
It's got an aftertaste. You'll get you'll, it. You'll get it. And then all of a sudden, bing, bang, bong, you ate all the broccoli. That's right. I'm a genius. Who do you guys have on today? You guys oh. celebrating the long gone summer? Yeah. Yeah, we are for sure. We got Andy Bennis going to join the nice. show today. Big oh, Andy. That's and, a big man, too. Is. Oh, my he, God. He's a large animal, and he's like one of the nicest human beings ever. But, uh, Andy, obviously, you played with Big Mac in 97, pitched against him and Sammy as a member of the Diamondbacks in 98. So it'll be great to get his perspective on, on what that looked like. Also, it was pitching during the strike. We always talk about how that, that was a landmark of bringing baseball back. So I can't wait to get his you know uh, perspective of that whole thing. Plenty coming up. It's the Fast Lane with Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's been Ribs and BK. Fast Lane coming up next on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.